Today is Monday, March 20th, 2023, and you're listening to the Ask a Christian podcast. I'm your host, Nate. Today, we're going to talk about the After Rapture Pet Care Service. So if you are a Christian going to uh, another world someday, then uh, be sure to call these atheist demons and book your pet care service so your furry loved ones can be taken care of while the world is burning around them and you are in heaven. Uh, Then we talk about science versus sci-fi. Because a lot of times people, as you'll hear, are like, when I read the Bible, all I have is crazy stuff to fall back on and scriptures by ancient old dudes. Um, But when I look at science, I'm like, well, wait, the science you're throwing out is like sci-fi. Like, there's science and then there's science fiction. Like, there's plenty of theories and hypotheses that the science will be like, oh, we don't know. This is like kind of the best we have right now. We don't have hardly any supporting evidence. So, you know, when you're talking about the science... Figure out if you're talking about sci-fi or actual, provable, empirically demonstrated, uh, evidential science. Um, the resurrection of Christ, and why does that matter for the Talmud? And then uh, Nate is right again. <laughs> we are all Alex Jones. And sanctification versus justification. And then we take a quiz presented by Steph. What kind of Calvinist are you? <laughs> a very bad one. I'm a, I'm a very bad Calvinist. Anyways, so... Uh, Good Christian, uh, as far as, you know, believing in the gospel and repenting. Not like I'm a good, great moral person. I try to be, but anyways, good good Christian in the sense that I believe the gospel and repent and have faith alone in Christ to save me. Um, no one is good but God. Let's see. You can also support the podcast, if you want to, by checking out the Ask a Christian book, now available on Amazon. The link is in the description. You can just straight up donate. That'd be super cool. Still need new computer equipment. Um, the link is in the description or get yourself some gear to facilitate discussions about this hope you have and why you have it um, surely to get you uh, stopped in the street with com- uh, civil conversation or get like slurpees and stuff thrown at you because you're wearing it <laughs> so um, the time for Christian persecution I don't know let's hope it's not just yet uh, but I think it's happening anyways check out this and more on this episode of the Ask a Christian Podcast. Enjoy your Monday, and we'll see you later. Why, hello there. Oh, hey, Mary. What's up? How have you been? I always have to wonder, Chris, when I see you, uh, when, I, when I see you um, in other rooms and I start, I think, um, is he coming here because... Uh, because the conversations here are just so great, or is he staying in the other rooms until they kick him out? <laughs> I'm not that contentious. Thank you very much. I also noticed how you didn't answer. Oh, that's <laughs> and how you're still not answering. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, just in the atheist room going through some of the resurrection evidences. Let's just say they were unhappy. Oh, was that what the, the room was? The whatever it was called, the something points? Yeah, it was, it's an atheist room and so they were they were they were like, Why do you believe all this nonsense? And I'm like, It's the resurrection of Jesus. And I got them to talk about the resurrection of Jesus for a full twenty minutes. So that was better. <laughs> so you just gotta trick just, them. They wanted to I talk just, about they wanted to talk about the science and I'm like, nah, let's talk about the resurrection. Ooh, so the science. <laughs> I just saw this meme. It made me laugh. Um, it says, 
<laughs> you know that uh, that church meme about the rapture where it has the little ghost silhouettes flying up into heaven? You've seen that much, right? Did, did the rapture just happen? Okay, I'm going to assume you just can't talk. Sorry, I just, yeah, I'm trying to get my father-in-law to the... So there's the uh, there's a silhouette like you know the Christian rapture meme where it's got all these silhouettes like flying up to heaven. Well, someone took that meme and they put it like in the background and framed it in like a window where it looks like the ins you're in the inside of a house looking at out, and it has these cats and animals like their heads watching all these people flying up into heaven, and it says worried about your pets after the rapture, after the rapture pet care be prepared for the uh, for the care of your pet. For just $9.99 a, month, $9.99 a month, you can register your pet to be professionally cared for after you are raptured. All of our staff have been hand-selected based on their love of animals, but first, and more importantly, to ensure that they are either Christians or either non-Christians or atheists. And it gives a phone number. I haven't called it, but if someone wants to, let us know. Call Bro. today, 760-7... Call this, Chris. Here's your challenge. Call 760-706-7425. So uh, after Just text me that. I will call that today. I am going to call that today. That is I'm texting you right, right now. Okay. Let's see. 760-706. All right. And welcome, by the way, uh, brother. All right. So what did I say? 760 Seven six zero seven zero six seven four two five. Oh, why don't I just send you the meme? Wow, I'm smart. After rapture pet care. All right, you have the number. Let us know your findings. That will be interesting. going on this fine Friday. Well, the after rapture pet care gave me the pep I needed in my step to start my day. <laughs> uh, let's see. I don't uh, know anything. I found this nice little Jesus just wants to have a talk meme, which is my PTR. How's your weekend? That was pretty good. At church. Of two-year-olds. See, had a birthday party for a friend of mine. My son was the end of his spring break, so my wife took him to Gatorland yesterday. So I got some time to just read. It was nice. Well, finally, all is all is right in my world. I think for now, right enough. My my family visited and is gone. My kids are off spring break. Praise Jesus, they're back in school today. That was a, oh, that was a week. So uh, now the only fighting I'm going to have and yelling is coming from, you know, these conversations. <laughs> yeah. As it should be. But, uh, yeah, it was funny because the, the atheist, you know, Jeff, he just gets real. He gets Honest inquiry, Jeff? Yeah. And uh, he went back to Jeff, I guess. I don't know. Oh. Um. Why do they have so many aliases? So, and then it's like they don't do any good because everyone like knows exactly who they are. So it's like, what's the point? 
he was like mad because I called him Jeff one day in here, remember? Oh. <laughs> I was like, I'm sorry, I'm not trying to like dock you, bro. I mean, like, people I have very distinctive voices. Jeff. <laughs> but anyway, so he, he he was trying to throw up the objection about the resurrection that uh, Jesus' body was just tossing a mass grave like the rest of them. And I'm like, oh, really? <laughs> Does that even make sense? And I was like, no, it doesn't make sense. It's the dumbest objection. It is. There are a lot of dumb objections to the resurrection. That's right up in the top five of dumbest ones. Because like, what are the other top no ones? one would want the body of a figure who's predicting his own resurrection, walking around all of Judea, Jewing it to thousands of people, thrown into a mass grave so that somebody could easily steal the body and claim that he raised from the dead. Duh. Like, it's just, it's the dumbest of the objections. What are the other top contenders? For dumb oh, objections. you know, the, 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 the disciples were somehow, you know, sword-wielding zealots that were able to overpower and kill 15 Roman guards and then somehow hide their bodies, avoid prosecution for such from Rome, and hide, steal Jesus' body, and then go to their deaths lying about how he raised from the dead. That's the, that's the number one stupidest one. Yeah, that's the biggest thing, to have everyone, like, die for a lie. Like, that's, that's pretty, that's crazy. Are you speaking today, brother? Or Mary, feel free to type in chat, Mary, or whatever. Join us. Uh, it's lonely all the way up here at the top of the stage. Let's see. Just uh, generally dealing with unreasonable people this weekend, uh, back and forth. Um, I don't know. I'm sure most people would, would probably agree with this, but then their actions may betray them. Like whenever I, I hate having stuff like a to-do list. I, I hate hate having stuff on my plate that needs to get done. So whenever something something is there, like I want to just get it off my plate as quick as possible. Uh so you know, if there's a task or something like that or a honey do list or whatever, like I just want to like stop everything else, plow through this list, plow through these things to get done. And then it's done and I don't have to worry about it anymore rather than like procrastinate or do a little, do a little here, or do a little there. Like I just want to get the thing done. So um, anyway, that's um, the other person I was dealing with also said they were of that mind, but it's like, instead of just like hashing out what needs to be hashed out and talked about, it's like, we've been on like three months of trying to get on the same page of stuff. And it's the longest I've ever, I've ever tried to like, you know, negotiate anything like that. Because I would just like burn it all down. It's like, look, if we can't just like buckle down over a weekend and like go back and forth in a live real time conversation and hammer out some details, then I'm out. I'm out. But for this reason, whatever, it's just kind of been like out of sight, out of mind. So I have to put on my uh, negotiating deal making hat and then wait for like a reply that may come through email like another day or two or a week later. And that bugs me to no end. It's like, look, I don't even care if it's in my benefit. I just want to not participate at this point because I hate like going back and forth and taking so long. It's like either, you know, I think a 
crude analogy would, would be that saying it was like, you know, crap or get off the pot. <laughs> so it's like, look, let's go through this. Let's hammer out these details or we're done. So finally, I kind of, I'm like, look, bro, I'm done. I'm out. And they're like, well, 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 wait, 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 wait. And they're like, okay, let's go ahead and do this. I'm like, okay, fine. But I mean, whatever. And then it's more of the same thing. So I'm like, all right, I'm out. Peace. I'm out. So that's, uh, I don't know if there's some like Jesus well, lesson in there. What's the discussion on that? Like, what, is this a business thing or something? Or? Uh, yes. And it is so stupid. Hey, Joanne, welcome. Nobody got time for that. Yeah, Chris, that would be like, if I wanted, you know, your tech services, and I'm like, uh, I don't know, we're negotiating a, a server price or something. And instead of just taking like a 30-minute conversation for like, I don't know, a large or order that you would consider taking 30 minutes to talk about, um, it would just go back and forth in emails and maybe some voice memos and voice text uh, for like a month or more. And at some point, it's like, look, even if I stand to make a, a little bit of a profit at this point, this is so stupid. It's not worth my time because then I'm going to have to deal with this type of mentality as long as this endeavor continues. And no, it's like, even if I have time for that, I don't want to have time for that. That's kind of that thing. Hey, Joanne, what's up? If you're speaking. Good morning. Good morning. What's on your mind today? I'm just listening, but I came up because you graciously invited me. Thank you. Oh, sure, sure. Well, if anything is on your mind, let us know. If anyone else would like to speak, jump up too. Certified, uh, I think I saw you raise your hand last week sometime, but we didn't have, uh, I think I was like leaving or on my way out. Oh, Hildegard, welcome back. So what's up, Certified? Um, hey, um, well, I mean, like, the more, like, I study, like, science, cosmology, and, uh, philosophy, metaphysics, all that, like, I get further away from God. Like, I find that an issue because I'm, like, a believer, but I'm not someone that said there's any evidence, and I only revert to, like, scripture. Uh, wait, say that one more time. Uh, the last part? Sorry, I was responding to a text. Uh, you said the more you study science and it's evidence-based, and then you, someone questions your claims and you just have scripture? Is that what you were saying? No, I said that the more I study, like, metaphysics, cosmology, uh, science, and all that, like, it gets me further away from God, the belief in God and all that. Like, it's like a huge la lack of evidence. Well, metaphysics should get you further away from, like, traditional science. Because that really doesn't have anything to do with metaphysics, depending on where you go with that. So is your faith um, in science waning? Because it should be, based on what you said. I mean, I don't think so. Like, there's many cosmological models. Uh, there's like infinite amount in the scientific and philosophical communities. So, well, yeah, there's lots of models for religion and deities too. But I mean, just because there's a model, like you know, there's there's what science can prove, and then there's what science can posit and kind of like vaguely, loosely suggest. Like you know, you can go to the uh, you what you can watch the science shows, 
where they have no evidence for some stuff. They're just like, you know, positing like different dimensions, M theory, you know, the string theory and loop theory. Like, I mean, they're just positing this stuff and they have like, I mean, less evidence for that than we have testimony for Jesus raising from the dead. So, I mean, whenever someone says science, it's not all encompassing. Like just because someone says something is from a scientific position or the scientific <laughs> world, it doesn't mean it's all the same. Like you can't posit 36 plus dimensions the same way we have evidence to prove gravity is a thing. Um, no, yeah, I, you, you I, would, said, yeah. I said right after that, if you were listening, that I revert to scripture as a God believer, as a theist. I just revert to scripture. I don't refer to like any metaphysical concept or co cosmological model because every time like a theist makes a argument for God, like let's say William Lane Craig, um, we it turns out that everything, every single bit of what he said is wrong, right? I haven't paid attention to him to, enough to know that every single... I'm sure there are some things he says that is correct. No, no, no. I mean, like, his cosmological uh, argument. Like, we just... Like, like it's kind of funny because every time someone makes, like, an argument for God or something, we can just deny it completely, and it turns out that that is exactly the case in reality. It's like this, like, harmony that... Uh, it's, like, efficient harmony that is unexplained. So like I mean, every on time hand, we deny say, the yeah what every time we deny what every time we deny the existence of God and we go under that modality we get closer to the truth and I'm not I'm a God believer right I'm a theist and I only revert to scripture but every time I like study metaphysics cosmology um, universals like any any concept time space. Uh, science, like we just get further and further away from God. So, no, that's what I was saying. You just out. said you, you said if I was listening, implying I wasn't. That's exactly what I thought I heard, and you just reiterated it. No, so, no, you, you didn't. You didn't hear the last part. The last part was that I'm a theist and I revert to scripture. And you said that uh, Jesus. Uh, I don't believe in Jesus. I do believe. I never said uh, that. that in Jesus. No. Okay, so I hear what's happening here. You accused me of the thing you were doing. I, I actually heard you perfectly as evidenced by you. You said the exact same thing again. And that's what I thought I heard the first time. Uh, so it turns out you did not hear me because I never accused you of not believing in God. I heard you're a theist. I never accused you of not believing in God. I was saying that whenever you were talking about, you know, you revert to scripture and the more you study these scientific things, that's what I was talking about. So you said the more you study cosmology, the more you study this, the further it gets you from God. Because all you have as a God believer is, you know, not to make fancy arguments, it's just to fall back on scripture. And I was saying, well, all you have in like, you know, once you get away from like proven scientific principles, the things you empirical evidence for, and you get into like these kind of wild, like sci-fi based theories, like different dimensions, like just kind of positing scientific things that even science will say it's unlikely or it's not proven or this is the best working theory. But it's not like the theory of gravity or something like that. We're like, yeah, it's, it's proven. Go throw a rock up and see what happens. But it's it's so all all things in the realm of science are not equal. So that's what I was saying. So, yes, I, I did hear you. The only thing that was a misunderstanding is I never said you were not a theist or what, weren't a God believer. I never spoke to that. I was just saying that whenever you fall back on scripture and, and seeming like say like that's a weak position, I would say, well, if you if you fall back on these cosmological studies or metaphysics, um, those are weak positions. 
because science doesn't have the like evidence they do for these like cosmological positions, depending on where you're going, just like they would do solid, provable scientific positions. Like no one can prove all these dimensions or all this metaphysical or cosmological stuff. That's all I was saying. So it's not like, like turns out falling back on scripture is pretty good. Like, you know, we have a bunch of eyewitness people who lived and who testified to this versus people like on, you know, Discovery Sci-Fi Channel who are positing like, you know, a thousand different dimensions. Like, who knows? Like, I mean, that's a few steps away from the ancient aliens guy. Like at that point, yeah, so turns out citing scripture from lots of eyewitness testimony, I think is better evidence than, you know, some dude saying dino dinosaurs built the pyramids. I know I strongman yeah. that a little bit, but you got to see what I'm saying, right? Like instead of like talking about gravity or something or like biology that is provable and demonstrable, we're still in the realm of like science, but it's where science is like, this is so unlikely we can, or we don't know how to assign a likelihood to this because we, we have little to no evidence. This is just kind of like some hypotheses we kind of are spinning around, but we have no reason for you to really believe this is true. <clears throat> yeah, but like when we talk about like the resurrection of Jesus Christ, it's not something that is visual, right? We just see him dying on a cross. Well, you read the testimony, like you read the accounts of all the people who, you know, were there firsthand. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you. We all witnessed uh, the uh, Jesus Christ dying on a cross, right? But then it says he resurrected, but that is not something visual to the people. Uh, like at the same what are you talking about like how did we like we didn't witness jesus christ on the cross like we we read about it yeah, yeah. Mean, my no, i'm taking it for it granted true. i'm taking it for granted i'm saying the people saw jesus christ die on a cross but i'm saying that it says in scripture that he resurrected and that is something that isn't visual to by us you mean them well yes it was so if we're saying like no one like was there when they saw him actually like, you know, walk out of the grave um, or something like that, or, you know, the soldiers that were binded or whatever and, you know, unconscious. But if we're saying like that doesn't count because, you know, like the disciples didn't see him like in that, I don't know, minute, two minute, however long window where he actually resurrected. They just saw, saw him like glowing and shiny and metaphysical walking through walls, uh, doing more miracles and then rising into heaven. If we're saying, well, they saw all this other stuff, which is clearly outside of what humans can do, but because they didn't witness the exact moment, you know, his body was resurrected, they just saw him after resurrection. That doesn't count. Well, no, at that point, you know, start believing in dinosaurs building the pyramids. Like, that's totally enough for me. It's like saying, like, you know, some miraculous event because you didn't witness that. Therefore, the after effects don't count. But it's like the after effects are very miracle-ish. Like, you see a glowing Jesus ascend to heaven. That's pretty radical. So I'm yeah. going to go out on a limb and say, you know, they see that. They see walking through walls. And, you know, they're going to be like, oh, well, this is the Jesus who was crucified. And look, here he is. And there he goes, floating up into heaven. So, yes, the resurrection happened. Is that where you're going with that? So you're saying that we have eye testimony that we saw, like, the Holy Spirit visually uh, go to heaven? You've what? read the Bible, right? You have no. read the uh, what? Oh, okay, well, I mean, let me just okay. So if you just read the Bible, it's all in the same. It's all in the same like, like immediately after the crucifixion. So if you read all the Gospels, 
just keep reading. So, I mean, if, if you read up to the part where Jesus gets crucified, half of your, most of your work is done. All you got to do is keep reading like one more chapter. And then it talks about, you know, his body was in the tomb. And then it talks about, you know, Mary came, he was gone. They go back to the disciples. The disciples are like, oh, who stole his body? What happened? Blah, blah, blah. And they're trying to figure this out. And, you know, eventually they see Jesus walk through a wall, have meals with him. And he's like glowing and dazzling, brilliant radiance. And then the disciples and a bunch of people are there. And Jesus himself floats up to heaven and ascends to heaven. So if you read the Bible, which I, I, you just said you hadn't, but I mean, if you read up to the, the crucifixion, the stuff I'm saying, whether you believe it or not, like it's in the paper, it's in all the gospels, that this is what happened. Like Jesus himself in bodily form appeared to the disciples and walked through walls, did some miracles, and then ascends to heaven. Not, not the Holy Spirit, Jesus himself, the guy that was crucified, now back from the dead, just like he said. So, so the people that put him on a cross and killed him, uh, did they witness this as well? Uh, the Romans. So yeah. the people. Uh, so it doesn't say specifically the people who I don't know the Roman who like stabbed him in the side or you know who, whoever <laughs> did the final thing that caused his death. But yes, like the Mary, for example, like the people who are in the crowd, like Mary and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and you know the some of the, the crowd who was there. Yes, those are some of the very same crowd who saw him ascend to heaven. Okay, um, uh, but but like Jesus didn't say, like I I don't I don't I I believe that Jesus resurrected and all that, or like however you want to put it. Like I I believe in the eye testimony. We're not even talking about resurrection at this point, um, but. Even if that's the case, how do we know that Jesus, uh, like, was the Messiah, like, is the Messiah? Or like, like it, you know, there's so much, like, theological positions that deny this uh, with their scripture and all that. Uh, if you were done, I mean, you know, Jesus gets to a point and says, look, if you don't believe me, believe the work I do. You know, believe, believe I am who I say I am. Not because I'm telling you, but because of these signs I'm doing. Well, he's going around healing the sick, you know, helping the lame people walk, blind to see, casting out demons, and says, you should believe because of this. Um, so even if you don't believe because of all the other reasons his followers believed, believe because of these things I do. So I would say that, like if a guy shows up and, uh, you know, leads people for three and a half years, does all these amazing signs, teaches people, you know, to follow God, love the Lord God with all their heart, mind, soul, and strength, the Lord our God is one does all these miracles to confirm, to back up what he's saying. And multiple times you hear these very same people when, you know, God uh, calls out with voices in the heavens saying, this is my son, do what he says, listen to him. Today I'm pleased with him when he got baptized. And then finally you see him ascend again. So there's no shortage of, for these people, empirical evidence that he says, hey, you should believe I am who I say I am because watch this miracle, watch this miracle, watch this miracle. And by the way, now I'm going to let people murder me so I can save you from yourselves, from your sin. And I'm going to, no one takes my life. I lay it down. So I'm going to take it up again. And then he goes to heaven. And then he promises to send a comforter when he goes away, which is the Holy Spirit. So in Acts, you have the tongues of fire dancing on people's heads. You have people being filled and baptized in the Holy Spirit, just like he says. So there's really no way around that other than say, you know, the Bible's exactly like Harry Potter and it's all fairy tales.
but I think that's about as unreasonable as aliens and the pyramids, in my humble opinion. Chris, I mean, uh, you I were going to say something earlier. Oh, did, are you speaking now, Chris? It sounded like you wanted to say something a bit ago. No, you're doing a good Unless job. You, uh, what certified? I mean, it seems like contradictory thoughts in my head because I think they saw like like in in like uh, Judaism they they see Jesus was on a cross but they don't see him like ascending and uh, resurrecting and all that they just see a person on a cross right and I'm not saying that Christianity just fa like becomes false at that point I'm just saying it's a different view. Well, yeah, I mean, the view is they don't believe Jesus is the Messiah. They believe, you know, he was just a um, a guy blaspheming, which is why they wanted him to die, because they, they didn't believe that he was the Messiah. But you can't say all of Judaism because, you know, his first followers were Jews. They came straight from Judaism. So it's not like, you know, Judaism has a monopoly on who the Messiah is. There is a dispute. And, you know, Jesus attributes this to the hardness of their hearts and, you know, pride and puffery and all these other things. And he says, look, um, so the first followers were Jews. So they don't believe they abandoned their Judaism. They don't believe they abandoned their religion. They believe that it's a progression, like Jesus fulfilled it, like they were waiting for the Messiah. So they believe that they're good, proper Jews by recognizing the Messiah, just how Judaism should be. So, you know, even the first followers of Christ wouldn't say, no, no, we found a new way. We found a new religion that say, no, this is our religion, exactly how it's supposed to be, exactly how the prophets foretold. So here's our Messiah. That's the only difference versus the people who are like, for whatever reason, um, kind of like this conversation now, like, no, no, we don't believe it. We're going to deny this. We're going to dispute this. And uh, therefore, the Messiah has not came yet. And Jesus is definitely not him. But then if you look at Acts, like, you know, thousands and thousands and thousands of Jews are being added to this number of Christians of Christ follower because they recognize that he is the Messiah. So while a lot don't, a lot do. Okay. Or the evidence we just talked about. And how do you explain, like, uh, evolution and, like, the seven-day creation? Because, like, in Judaism, you have oral Torah? Well, no, there's there's discrepancies in Judaism, too. But I want to say, I just want to acknowledge, like, we can talk about this, but I want an acknowledgement that this has nothing to do with, like, the resurrection of Jesus. So just acknowledge we're moving to a different subject, and then we can do that. But yeah, there are discrepancies yeah. in Judaism themselves. So not all Judaism has the exact same view. Like, some some would... I don't want to speak for Judaism, but I know some believe in like the gap theory between Genesis one and two, how there could be, you know, two sort of creation events, one yeah, yeah, I know cataclysmic that. I event, know that. I and others do this. not. So so you do study that, just not the Bible. I don't study the New Testament. Yeah, I, I like Okay. I study okay. Uh I I know like it makes sense to me with like oral Torah because if you look on like the Wikipedia entry, even there it says that uh, oral Torah is like necessary for explaining the Bible sometimes, and it would just become uh, unintelligible gobbledygook if you don't uh, use oral Torah, right? You can you can look this up on the Wikipedia entry as well. If well, I, I mean, I kind of believe you, but an oral Torah, uh, oral Torah, do you mean the Talmud? Because there is no oral Torah now. I mean, it, the Torah is written down unless you're you're using it synonymously with the Talmud. No, no, it is it that exists. What you're talking it about. Exists. Oh. It's called, uh, you can look at the Wikipedia entry, you should study this, but... Well, I um, really don't like oral... Wikipedia for the stuff, but I mean, sure, I'll check it out. But yeah, I, I would so not use Wikipedia as like a 
super solid source. And if you take like historical uh, eye testimony and like uh, people like this was passed down from Moses, right? This oral tradition. So like, how are you going to deny? One second. That's the I'm looking point. at your source. And Jesus himself had a lot of problems with the oral Torah. He denied it. He threw it out. Oh my gosh! Just, just okay. You know what? Just believe me. Every time I say something, guys, just, just believe me. I'm just gonna stop questioning stuff and start asserting things as fact. Like I'm, I'm right. Like more than I'm not. I'm not perfect. I'm wrong plenty. But turns out I'm right a lot more than I think people give me credit for. The oral Torah was eventually written down in the Mishnah and the Talmud, which are the primary sources of Jewish law and tradition. That's exactly what I said. So the oral Torah which I asked if you were using that synonymously with the Talmud, and you said, no, it's different. Turns out, it's not. It is the Talmud. That's exactly what I talked about. So, so yes. Um, and for the Jewish Book of Law, which is what the Talmud is, the oral Torah, um, that's exactly where I go. So anything like, you know, not New Testament related, anything to do with Jew, Jew, Jewish laws, like the 613 laws of Moses, whenever people want to talk about the laws in the Old Testament, I completely agree with the Jewish people that, uh, at least for this part, it sounds like, well, I don't know if gobbledygook is the word they would use, but yeah, you can't understand the law and how to follow the law in the Old Testament just from the Bible. You're going to mess it up every single time. If you really want to know how to apply the 613 laws of Moses, you have to do it from the people whose law this actually is. And by doing that, they have a whole encyclopedia. It's like 36 books of Jew of the Talmud explaining like 613 laws. So when you read the 613 bullet points in the Bible, there's no way you're going to properly apply that the way the people whose law this actually is apply it. So to that, we agree. But then, like I said, you know, we're, we're leaving this conversation about the resurrection of Christ because it just has nothing to do with that. Uh, but yeah, now that so, we're on the same page. Yeah, go so, ahead. Yeah. Are you like a messianic Jew? Because if you follow the Talmud. <laughs> no. Okay, no, well, I don't follow. No, I don't. I don't. I don't follow the Talmud. I just say that that's how you got to understand it. So, like, you know, as far as as far as Christians, we follow the law. Jesus says, "Look, the law is summed up in love the Lord God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbors yourself." On these two commands hang the the law and all the prophets. So, you know, Christ Christ is our fulfillment of the law. So, all we do is say, "Thank you, Jesus." But I ha I mean, from an intellectual point. If someone wants to know how to follow the law, like if they're trying to be a, a Jewish person or convert or just a godless atheist that wants to know the proper way that someone should follow the law, um, that's how you do it. So like from a head knowledge and intellectual place, yes, you have to interpret it through the Talmud. Otherwise, you're doing it incorrectly. But no, for me as a Jesus Christ following Christian, um, no. And the law, you know, if you're not an Israelite, the law was never for you anyways. Never, ever, ever. So as a Gentile, we were never under these laws. But I still know how to follow it, in case anyone wants to know. Yeah, but it also interprets part that cannot be like understood without it. So like Genesis, seven days of creation. Well, yeah, but then you have the same competing theories. I mean, it's, I mean, it's not like the account in Genesis is wildly different from the way Jewish people understand it. So much so that when we have these discussions, you know, with rabbis and Jewish scholars, we don't really have much to talk about where it's like, oh, you think this? 
You think God created the world in seven days? Was it literal? What about the day is a thousand years to the Lord? Could it be longer? What about gap theory? Okay, let's move on and fight about Jesus. Like the differences in the differences in opinion on the creation of the world, from from my Gentile Christian perspective, it really doesn't matter. Like you, I mean, you can mess up a whole lot in the Bible and still be on God's good side. It all hinges on Jesus. So when Jesus is called the second Adam, as far as what I believe is necessary for the account of Genesis, I have my own view. But what I believe, you know, people can take liberties with. Like as long as there's a literal Adam and a literal Eve with souls created by God, literally, and the fall of man, their disobedience, then that sets up, I mean, that sets it up perfect. So you can pretty much screw up all kinds of other stuff as long as you have literal Adam and Eve with souls and all humans with souls came from them. So we're all under this curse of sin from disobeying God. Um, that's really in bare bones, all that's absolutely necessary for Genesis. So however someone wants to understand it, that's not the hill to die on. The hill to die on is the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus, because ultimately that's what we believe the entire Bible, all of Christianity is about. It's centered on one person, Jesus. Okay, but uh, isn't there supposed to be like an objective interpretation to the Talmud if like it was passed by oral tradition by... <laughs> oh, no. No, there's no objectivity. Like, I mean, Jewish people will tell you that. Like, they, they still fight today. Like, you know, if there's one thing, um, I'm not going to say this from my own experience. Well, I'm not my own experience. But from all the Jewish scholars and rabbis I've spoken with, the common thing they express, which I'm just a parrot, is how people in Judaism and rabbis especially really love to argue about stuff. Um, so they, they really like to get down in the weeds and, uh, and go through this. So, I mean, if you look, people are still writing stuff today and like, you know, pro this or anti that, like they do a whole lot of arguing. So, no, there is there is no objectivity. They may say something like there should be objectivity, but they're all subjective in how they continue to argue it. There's even two Talmuds. So, no, to, to say everything is objective, that would be like when, when people say, well, is God objective truth? I mean, as a Christian, I would say something like, well, yes, there is objective truth. But being fallen human beings, we're all going to be subjective in how we fulfill that or how we live up to it. So, you know, being gracious, I would say maybe someone from the Jewish perspective would say something similar. But but no, there's no demonstrable objectivity. There's there's the opposite. There's demonstrable um, evidence on how they continue to fight and argue over all these different points. Mm -hmm. do, do you, have you read the Talmud? Certified? I very cherry-picked it, but it's so hard for me to believe in seven-day creation as it's literally mentioned in the book. Yeah. So, so the, the Talmud is a series of answers and arguments and counter-arguments and, and all that. Like, I mean, when you read it, <clears throat> it's, you know, rabbi says this. Well, this rabbi responds, and this rabbi says this. And it could be this, and it could be this. You know, like, there's there's disagreement within the Talmud as to what the answer is. And that's the point, you know, like I've heard rabbis, um, if they had to, to describe Judaism in a single word, they would say struggle, a buck, right? There's, there's, there's this idea that you're struggling with the scriptures, that you're going back and forth to, to say that 
there's a single Talmudic interpretation of the law of Moses is to kind of misunderstand the point of the Talmud as I understand it. Yeah. Yeah. I understand what you're saying. It's just like, uh, it's really hard for me to, without like further explanation, like let's say God, uh, love your neighbor as you love yourself is good. Right. Because God commanded you or something. And I'm like, so what? Like it, it doesn't mean anything to me. Right. Like something that would mean to me is that if I had the intent, the intent uh, behind uh, loving your neighbor as you love yourself, that would mean something to me. But just saying love your neighbor uh, as you love yourself, this is commanded by God. It's good. Uh, it doesn't it, like I don't it doesn't mean anything to me. Yeah, I mean, what I would say is that I was talking about this in the atheist room an hour ago, that the linchpin of Christianity is the resurrection. If you're on the fence about, you know, what to believe, look at the resurrection of Christ. You said you believe in the resurrection of Christ. That's really good. What are the implications of that? And that's what you got to look at. Yeah, okay. Um... Cool. Yeah, because there's definite implications. One of those is a seven-day creation. So if we, so two things cannot be true at the same time. Jesus cannot affirm a seven-day creation, which he does in in the New Testament, and he cannot have raised from the dead because if he raised from the dead, that would mean that he's God and he's incapable of lying, and he would have been there at the creation to know, right? And so it doesn't matter what anything else says. If Jesus raised from the dead, whatever he said must be true because he proved it with his resurrection. That is the implication of the resurrection. Yeah, so it's God's word, what's written in the Bible, but it's still subject to interpretation. Or, or is it like you need to take literally what he says? Like it literally what he so says. There's only one interpretation for every text of scripture that is correct. It is whatever the author's intent was for that particular verse. So whatever the author's intent for when he's talking in Matthew or, you know, the author Luke is talking or whoever else is writing these things down, he has a specific intent in mind. It is not open to interpretation. It is whatever his interpretation is and our job is, is to get as close as we can. We can disagree with what those interpretations are, but our our job is to get as close to what the author meant from a particular passage as we can. Okay, okay, one last thing. Um so if if God commanded you to love your neighbor as you love yourself, um and you have no intent, you just do it because it's written in the Bible. Does that consider something? I'm going to say yes, like based on the way you structure that, because, you know, it's like uh, people say like love is more than a feeling, it's an action. So, yes, if if um, God commands you to love people and, you know, that's easy for people you love, like family members, spouses, kids, things like that. I mean, you know, it's it's easy. Like God doesn't need you to tell you to, God doesn't need to tell you to love them you automatically love them. You know, you love those that love you typically. Um, but if there is, you know, it says love your enemies. So if there's an enemy, then yeah, maybe it's worth God saying, you know, because like he, he contrasts that with, um, with Judaism, 
and you know the Jewish law that says you know um, what like love your enemy or love your um, love your neighbor, but you know eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, like you know get payback on your enemies. And it's kind of this vengeance uh, standpoint. And Jesus says, no, I tell you, love your enemies, uh, you know, bless those who persecute you. And, you know, he goes on to say, you know, someone demands you, you carry their cloak or whatever a mile, carry their stuff two miles. So he's, he's elevating this. So yes, in that situation, Jesus kind of does need you to tell you to love your enemies because otherwise you're going to just do what is instinctual and seek vengeance on your enemies. So that means that if you have a mortal enemy and you cannot stand them, Yet they're suffering, they're in need, they're in pain, they're hurting. As begrudgingly as it may be, as hard for you as it may be, yes, you're going to help them. You're going to give them a cup of water. You're going to take them to a hospital. Like whatever it is, you're going to show love to your enemy, even if they're a very, very difficult person to show love to. So, yeah, even if you don't want to love your enemy, show your love for them as part of, you know, fellow humanity. So it doesn't mean, you know, if they're a criminal, they're not going to answer for their crimes. It doesn't mean they're going to get away without punishment. But it does mean, as God commands you, as part of his creation, you're going to do these things for them. Yeah. So, like, love has to come from intent. Like, it's inseparable, right? Is that... I don't know how to say it. If I had my mortal enemy and they, were like, had a broken leg outside my house, I would probably walk over and be like, oh, this guy. Ugh. And I'd be like, all right, what's wrong? And they'd be like, oh, I broke my leg. Ah, help me. Or I hate you. Ah, why do I have to get a broken leg in front of your house? I'd be like, okay, just just shut up, shut up. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take care of you. Like, all right, let me get you a splint. Let me call 911. Let me call you an ambulance. Like, here, here's some Tylenol. You want some water? Great. Like, I'm not going to be overly enthusiastic, but I'm going to do what is right. Like, I'm going to treat them like if I was in this position – uh, in, in my mortal enemy's yard, I wouldn't be happy that I'm there. I wouldn't be happy they're helping me, but I'd be like, well, I, I need help. So, you know, I don't expect them to be super gracious toward me, but it would certainly be nice if they'll fix my problem or, you know, get some people who can help me. I mean, I don't know how else to say that. Okay. Thank you. Oh, sure. Uh, hey, Yvette, welcome. And Thomas, what's up, Thomas? Are you speaking, Thomas? And welcome, Pastor Mark. Is Thomas speaking? Oh, question for oh, question for Nate from Yvette. Would you say that our road of eternal life is our process to sanctification? In some roundabout way, sure, because we're always on the road to being sanctified. So I mean, unless you're just like stuck in like a, a completely just dead spot, and then all of a sudden one day you know you're going to be sanctified, then maybe. But I think, you know, as long as you're living, as long as time is moving forward, then sure, there is a, a road you're on. Um, I don't know if I'd make a theological point of that, but I, I think, yeah, I'm, I'm fine with that. Like, your, let me read that again. That our road of eternal life is our, yeah. So if we're, if we're talking like here and now, like as I live in this moment, I'm one step closer on the road of sanctification than I was five seconds ago, if that's what you're talking about. Which is why I asked. Oh, <laughs> he. She says that uh, she knows Chris would differ. Chris would. Would you differ? I forget. Or how would you differ? You would say it's already been done, or we're just awaiting the result. Or no, Nate, you're completely right. I agree with everything you said. Oh, thanks, Chris. 
Yeah, I mean, in a roundabout way, she's right. Yeah, I mean, I would say that sanctification is the process by which we become more conformed to the image of Christ day by day. Does that answer the question? I think so. I think she said. Oh, yeah, she, yes, answered perfectly. Hey, Bibic, what's up? Hi. How are you? I'm fine. Maybe there's some, some noise coming from my background. Let me fix it. A hundred years should go to praise thine eyes and on thy forehead gaze. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I mean, that's pretty good so far. You could just unmute your mic and turn it up for the rest of us. <laughs> did you recognize what it was, or did you just hear the content? No, no, I just heard a bit of content, like one line. I don't know what it's from. So what have you got going on today, Chris? Well, I guess we wait. You traveling across uh, Florida? Yeah, I'm riding my alligator. Um <laughs> So, no, so I uh, I got Verizon 5G home internet a while back, and then they started having problems with it, and so it was dropping for a couple hours at a time, like a couple of times a day, and I was like, well, this sucks, I can't work like this, so then I called Spectrum back and did the Spectrum thing again, so they mailed me a modem, I plugged it in, got everything working, and... Then it went out last night, inexplicably. I got the thing yesterday. So I was like, great. Okay. Uh, so I called Spectrum this morning, and now they're on their way out today at 11 because there are problems with my lines, of course. Did you try laying hands on your modem and breaking out the oil? I anointed it with oil this morning, um, but to no avail. Um, I mean, it's working right Does that now. Mean God's alive? Right now. How, how did that not shake your faith in God that your prayer was not answered? Right. I know that in uh, Jeff's objection about, well, I believe that Jesus' body was thrown into a mass grave. Oh, okay. I mean, again, Thanks. right. So like that goes back to the, the, the certified thing. It's like, look at the result. Like you're talking about the middle, you're talking about the middle of the story. Like what about the rest? Like what if Jesus body was thrown into a mass grave, right? Like how does the story end? Okay. The story ends with a glorified, shiny, dazzling, sparkling Jesus walking through walls and ascending to heaven. So like, it doesn't matter if they put him in the ocean. It doesn't matter if they chopped him up into pieces. It doesn't matter. I mean, other than for accuracy of the story, but from Jeff's argument, honest's argument, whatever, dishonest inquiry, um, it doesn't matter how the middle of the story goes. It only matters the result. So if he's like, well, they probably threw him in a mass grave. No one ever heard anything about Jesus again. Okay, great. Make that argument. However, if you're reading the book, plenty of people say, yeah, they, they saw him show up again. So the bigger, it's like trying to argue over, um, th there's a term in like an argument, debate term or something. It's like where you focus people on the minutiae and you like make them miss the forest for the trees. So while he's arguing mm -hmm. about the tree of how where Jesus' body was stored, he's missing the whole forest of resurrection. It's like, okay, who cares? He was fish food, whatever. It doesn't. They shot him into space. It doesn't matter. Um, because what matters is a couple days later, here he is walking around through walls, doing miracles, letting Thomas touch him, 
uh, here's the nail scars, and then flying to heaven. So the storage <laughs> of Jesus for a couple days does not matter by his own logic. It only matters to us because, well, we believe it's what happened. All right, and it also it also means that there, you don't have a plausible ability to say that the the disciples stole the body. You know, the the whole point of the mass grave theory is to get it to, to the disciples stole the body and lied. That's the point. So they're so they're trying to say, oh well, most you know you get the scholars that will say that <laughs> most crucified people were just thrown in a mass grave in a garbage dump somewhere nearby. Oh, okay. Talk about yeah, that cool. the rest of the day. All right. Yeah. Okay, don't. I'm and, kidding. I'm kidding. Don't. No, no, it'd be terrible. Um, although April 1st is coming up. I've been oh, preparing. what are you going to be? There is, there, is a, there is a Mormon in here for about 30 seconds this morning. I tried to get him to talk. They wouldn't. It was just me and him. So, I mean, you know, it was silent. And he, he didn't speak and he left. I thought, wow, I wonder if he's still going to be here when Chris gets here. Bro, last week, I think it was Friday. I don't know. Whatever day we were in here talking about stuff. And it was a pretty hot room. There's a bunch of people. But uh, I had JW show up at my door. <laughs> Did you talk to him? And I was like, huh. I was online with you guys. Well, I mean, I just said, and it was like an old man. I was like, oh, are you one of the elders? And he's like, you've spoken with some of us before. And I'm like, yep, I have a whole library over here. And the guy looks in, looks in the house and he's like, and his eyes got kind of big and he's like, oh, okay. I'm like, yeah, my wife went to seminary. I was like, do you read Greek? And he's like, no. And I'm like, he's like, do you? And I'm like, nah, you know, a little here and there. Like, you know, I can, I can pull out the interlinear. And, uh, and he's like, oh, well, you know, no, not really. I'm like, great. You should come over and we'll, we'll have a Bible study. And he was like, yeah, thanks. We'll, uh, we'll let you know. (laughs) (laughs) He didn't want anybody within a hundred feet of me at that point. Your address is going to be like marked. It had been for a long time because my wife um, had a Bible study for 14 weeks with two ladies and just went through the material and um, reasoning from the scriptures with the Jehovah's Witnesses, the Ron Rhodes book. And they were so flummoxed that they didn't know what to do. And they brought their elder over and the guy took one look at our library and was just like, nope, we're out of here. And they, then you know how they do the literal shake the dust off their feet. They did that. <laughs> oh, yeah. I think Joanne's asking if your wife is a is a woman pastor from seminary. Now, seminary, like that, just gives you the education. Like, there's no like ordination upon graduation, right? Like, that would be a step further if you want to pursue that, right? Yeah, my my wife would rather set herself on fire than be a woman pastor. Those are her words. Oh, the Jehovah's Witness. Oh. I don't know. Were they? No, they wouldn't be pastors. They'd just be no, pastors, right? Yeah, no, no, no. They've got a lot of ladies, um, but they're not elders. Like they only have male elders in Jehovah's Witness. Do they call elders? I mean, they're still a pastor, right? Like one pastor to lead the cult. No, they don't call them pastors. They call them elders. Oh, like there's so, no there's no such thing as pastors. Wait, so there is there more than one elder per cult? Yeah. Or per, uh, yeah. So the kingdom oh, halls okay. will have multiple elders. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Huh. It's not like a regular church. 
That's one more layer of weird. Yeah, and why are they built? Uh, the guy I was talking to, the Jehovah's Witness, a long time ago that we had a Bible study with, um, he answered why they're built horizontally, but I forgot. But that's weird, like how they're built like horizontally. Mm-hmm. I don't, re- Do I don't remember really the answer to that, that one. Mm-mm. What was it? I, I, I think it was something like more people can be close to the front or close to God or something instead of like the traditional like, you know, church, how they can, how it's like rows, like go back and back and back and like further away from the front, which means like, further away from God or something. Joanne, are you a JW? No, I'm a Christian Trinitarian form. Oh, okay. Well, I'm confused. I was saying, I was saying that we don't, excuse me. We don't believe in women pastors and elders. Nor us. Yeah. Right. Yeah. We don't either. Yeah, my, my wife would rather set herself on fire. She she got a um, two-year master's of biblical studies degree, and um, she's thinking about going back and finishing her THM, which be, would be two more years of school, because she wants to, when my son graduates from high school, she wants to go get her PhD. Um, so that would give her enough time in six years to slowly do the last two years <laughs> of a THM. But it's a THM is really intense. It's got a lot of it's all the language training, so she would have to take. I want to say eight or nine classes in Greek and seven or eight in Hebrew. It, it's a lot. That's a big undertaking. Yeah, Does she just want to do this so, just because, or because she likes to punish yeah. herself with school, or for fun. I mean, you know, PhD would be fun. I'm I'm thinking about going back to school to finish my bachelor's and I don't need it, you know. I'm we're doing we're doing just fine with me as a business owner. But it was interesting because like when I was transitioning out of the photography company that I owned to going back to IT, I was looking for an IT job. I put out over a thousand resumes and I got zero responses because I hadn't finished a bachelor's. And I've got twenty five years of experience in IT. Nobody would even talk to me. That's insane, man. Wow. And doesn't it kill you to know that you're better than probably like 90% or 85% of those people with the degrees? Oh, I mean, it doesn't kill me. I understand. I mean, it's just, you're not getting past the AI. You're not getting past the gatekeeper. You're just, your, your resume gets deleted the minute that, that the computer reads that there's no bachelor's degree. So no humans probably even saw my resume ever. I mean, I, I just hate that though. Like I'm a big fan of on the job training, like, you know, apprenticeship and trades like electricians and stuff like that. How you like do apprenticeships. Like yeah. I, I, my theory is you can with caveats and certain excep- exceptions, you can do pretty much the job like most jobs, unless it's like super technical or mathematics or formulas or stuff like that. But as far as like, you know, on the job training, um, you could pretty much do, with probably six months of on-the-job training, what you could do with four years of school otherwise. Because on-the-job training, it's it's intense, it's, it's real, it's full-time, versus, you know, a full-time degree after four years. I mean, that's like one hour of class, maybe a couple times a week. So it's like, and then it's like downtime, the rest of it. So it's like super, super um, exaggerated time versus intense training, like, you know, all at the same, anyways. Maybe it's just because of my lack for uh, or my hate for intellectual school settings. 
but that's my uh, theory. On-the-job training is the way to go. Nate, I just want to chime in for a second. Uh, businesses have, have done are so lean now, like as a rule, that on-the-job training is kind of on its way up. To the detriment of society. Oh, yeah, I agree, for sure. But like to the profit of those companies, naturally, and to the to the detriment of the workforce. Yeah, I mean, look, I the way I approach IT, I'm looking to hire somebody right now, and I'm probably because to try to hire somebody at my own level or just a little below would be like 80 G's a year, and I just don't have that kind of scratch in cash. Um, so I'm looking to hire somebody. I'm probably going to hire either a college student or a college dropout. Um, somebody <laughs> with seriously, and I'm going to look for somebody with a philosophy degree. Um, or, 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 you know, a Christian. Well, yeah, I mean, they, they would, I mean, I can't, well, let's see. How do I say this? We know. We know. Yes, uh, Relax Technical know. Services does not uh, <laughs> does not uh, have any type of uh, hiring uh, ideas in place that require a religion or the lack of one or etc. So, yeah, that's the But I mean, you you could say I, it's based like your hiring of the person. You know, something's not a protected class. So based on the energy and aura they put off during the interview. So there you you're go. covered. Like, uh, you know, I just didn't feel um, the energy they were putting off. Therefore, I had to reject them. See how that goes? Yeah. And, and that's the what thing. I... Like, more red tape, more bureaucracy, it stinks because there's always ways around it by people who are willing to play the game. And it's stupid because we can play the game and we can win, but we shouldn't have to play the game. All it does is just make more chaos. Go ahead, Chris. You're making an actual point, and I was just ranting. <laughs> no, I was just going to say, Mac, um, would I hire an atheist? Um, I have in the past. Um, one of my good friends, Ian, is an atheist, and he was an excellent IT person, and I hired him because he was literally the best guy for PCs at the time that I knew, and I needed 300 PCs fixed all the time. And so I hired that guy, even though he's a raging atheist, and we would get in arguments every single day. Um, Did you ever catch him trying to siphon your blood? No, he was more tame than that. But yeah, what's a, you know, what's a, yeah, raging, Ian, a raging atheist? I'm curious. Uh, like this dude was just like you, James. Just kidding. Like you, <laughs> James. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How you doing, James? <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm ragingly awesome. Thank you. <laughs> oh, good, good. Dude, by the way, those um, those like uh, electrolyte tabs that you turned me on to, like they're the jam. The, the, my wife loves those things. Oh, cool. Yeah. Glad you like, yeah. Happy to pass it on to you. Awesome. Yeah. 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 She's, she's super into it. Um, yeah. I just bought another, whatever variety pack. Um, but, uh, no, I mean, yeah, I would, I would hire an atheist, you know, I would, I'm always going to hire the best person for the job. Um, but at this point I'm probably going to have to train somebody from scratch. Because the, the yeah. stuff in IT is so 
IT is such a niche field that the stuff that you're going to be doing day to day as a, you're not going to be able to be a generalist. You're going to need specific training, whatever the technology is. And the reason that I said that I would hire somebody with a philosophy degree um, or a college dropout that was a, was into philosophy is because I want somebody who can think rationally and I want somebody who can be a creative problem solver. My, my number one thing for hiring anybody for any IT job is how do you creatively solve a problem given a set of strictures? Like, hey, this client has to be up and running in two hours. How can you make that happen? Even if you don't perfectly fix the problem, how do you get them by so they can do their work? Now creative solve, creatively solve the problem. That's, that's where I'm at. That's, that's what separates my company from a lot of other IT companies is they will just go and try to fix the problem. I don't give a rip about the problem. I care about what is this doing to affect their business, this particular problem, and how can we work on it to get it fixed as quickly as possible, or how can we work around it in order to get them back up and running while we fix the deeper problem? So... We fix it. Well, yeah. So Nate, I, I, um, I have a personal professional development story that might, uh, enrage you a little. So I'm like, I'm glad that Chris is willing to train people, but it really like the job, the job market really isn't going that way. Uh, I'm in a situation in my, in my department, uh, we need to hire a technical trainer, uh, who, who is bilingual. Uh, because there's two customers that we have where we do training, just two. Um, and they're adamant, even though they can speak English or understand English, that the training be conducted in French. So I said, I've been with the company for five years. Uh, the simple, so I, I mean, I'm in, I'm in Canada, like we're, we're, you know, we're in Canada and, uh, the civil service does language classes. Uh, the military does language classes like they'll put you in in like a, an intensive language training. And, you know, so basically they're they need to hire someone at the top of the pay scale, the top of the top of the top of the pay scale in order to get the candidate that they want. And then that person isn't going to be ready because they don't have the knowledge of the product, to the extent that we do. Um so instead of actually investing in their employees, they're trying to find a candidate that doesn't exist. Uh, and they actually did get someone, but they balked at the low pay and then didn't didn't uh, didn't sign. Right. So like I was willing to take a very small raise, get the language training instead of being hired instead of you know demanding the top salary, and they didn't go for that. It was ridiculous. Yeah, like, sucky if, if, the will, if the will is there, if the will is there, then then it can be done. You know, if the yeah. will and the support are there, it can be done. And they don't; they're not creative, you know, and they're not willing to invest in their people. Then again, Mac, they may just not have liked you. <laughs> no, you know what? You know what? You know what? Um, true, number one, but uh, they're so desperate. That, uh, that, uh, you know, my, uh, abrasive personality wouldn't have been an issue. <laughs> well, not desperate enough, unfortunately. And that's, that's yeah. what I see a lot. Like, you know, and, and you, I don't know, I don't know quite how to put a finger on it, but yeah, I mean, companies, 
a lot of times people, you know, make boneheaded decisions for their companies. So, I, I mean, I don't know. I'm, I'm on your side, Mac. I, I've been in uh, similar positions in times past. And, you know, yeah. maybe it was because of my abrasive personality. But, um, <laughs> well, also, yeah. my personality on social media isn't even close to my work, uh, you know, uh, my, my behavior at work. Obviously. How much different do you behave in real life than you do on the online? Well, on, well, online is still real life. I mean, like I, I obviously don't, uh, don't tell every single person I meet that they need to obey God or they're going to hell when we're talking about like what food am I going to pick the fries or the salad in the cafeteria? Uh, I don't talk about when somebody makes an assertion, I don't say, well, do you reference the necessity of referencing the necessity of God? You know, I just don't <laughs> like, like we're all here having discussions with people who willingly came to the room. You know, I'm not going to share my opinions about trans, you know, in the like, I don't talk about politics beyond local politics at my job. Because it's too contentious, and you have to be around those people all the time. Those people. Those. Everybody. Yeah, you have to be around the people you work with all the time. And I don't want yeah, to be surrounded cool. by... There's this one guy, another trainer, and I was stuck with him for a course. and Because uh, I did the first half, and he did the second half. And uh, the, whole, the whole course was the Ben Shapiro podcast. And I thought that it was nuts. Absolutely nuts. Wait, wait a second. Yeah. Let me get this straight. Your course was a Ben Shapiro podcast? I don't understand. Um, yeah, yeah, because when when the, the, the subject matter was supposed to be about, you know, aligning cameras and, and fixing camera systems, and then it turned into, you know, the, the Ben Shapiro uh, soliloquy, uh, uh, week. <laughs> oh, 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 he was just parroting Ben Shapiro's podcasts while he was supposed not, to be not exactly, not parroting, not parroting, but effectively paraphrasing for sure. Yes. Got it. Okay. I understand now. I was like, wait, you, the dude rolled into a training session and just turned on Ben Shapiro and walked out. That's what, that was what I got. Uh, actually, you, you you laugh, but like there is there's one part there's one area uh, where we seal up our, our 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 system and stuff, and they do like a lot of prep and painting and stuff. And uh, Alex Jones is playing there all day, every day. Um, now I love Alex Jones, but only ironically. So like if you catch me listening to Alex Jones, it's to laugh at him. Uh, you know, uh, talking about or trying trying to thread the needle, talking to Roseanne Barr ineffectively, you know, oh, and they're talking about how people are drones and robots and lizards. Gay. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Stop them but, from turning the frogs gay. But but he's a true info warrior, and I'm just amazed that he could play that shit uh, stuff uh, at. Uh, uh, at work, I just, I just couldn't, I couldn't Mike, believe it. I think, I don't know if this is a sign of God or Alex is in the internet, but you're starting to crackle up a little bit. I don't, is that just me or is anyone else that he's kind of like getting staticky? 
Yeah. But I'd say, uh, you know, I, anyway, I spy is turning the frogs gay. Like, you know, Alex, Alex Jones, like before, before, like, I don't know. So I, I mean, I've always kind of like known who he was usually from funny memes and the turning the frogs gay thing, which I actually got a, a cup cozy with like the, the turn of the frogs gay. And it's like, save the frogs. I'm like, that is hilarious. But you know, in, in more um, kind of recent years, um, you know, whenever I'm like looking for a podcast or something, cause I, I don't, I'm not really a podcast person, but you know, like whenever I'm at the gym and stuff like that, I'm like, well, what do I listen to? And um, so I started listening to some of Alex Jones stuff, partly because, you know, whenever he freaks out, it is hilarious. And it's like, you know, whoever the, the group or the editors are, they just, it's just funny. So like, I, I mean, I like the personality. It's humorous and funny, not political, just like on its own. So they're always doing like funny crap, like making music videos and taking stuff out of context and like, you know, making funny beats to it. And it just like doing stupid, funny stuff that I, I laugh at. But then as far as like the news, news stuff, you know, when he talks about like, I don't know, like the, the, the super far out there, I'm just like, ah, eh, okay. Mm, can't love everything. But I mean, as far as like, you know, news for news, I think at this point, He's more accurate than CNN by, by, I mean, far. So I don't know if that means good for him or bad no. CNN, but I mean, that is how it is. <laughs> uh, when he's talking about people being reptilian or. Yeah, that's what know, I kind of zone out. Yeah. Literally like the spawn of the there. devil. Or, yeah, yeah, the more no. far out stuff. Can't, yeah, can't get there. You know, he, yeah, I don't know. No, no, I'm, I'm with okay. you. like the reptilians. Right. That's the stuff I, I find just absurd and funny, and you know, I kind of just ignore, or smile at. But I mean, you know, like I don't know, like for example, the J six stuff, right? Like I mean, stuff that's not not reptilians, not interdimensional space demons, but it's just like accurate news reporting. It's like, well, I'm gonna shut up now. Here's a video, and you know, like um, I, I remember the like the J six committee, not to get political, but. I mean, you're in Canada, so maybe you don't even care. But like, for example, like this two-year like witch hunt, like the January 6th committee is all Democrats and one like fake Republican. Um, and they edited this video and they were constantly like, uh, and we didn't know it at the time, you know, because they wouldn't let anyone with a dissenting voice on their panel. Um, but then in the last like three, two or three weeks, it came out and it was like released by some people. And we got to see the unedited videos, their whole stuff. It was like absolute lies from hell. I could not believe it. I'm like, everyone knows they're, they, you know, they hate Trump. They, they're on the J6. They're on a witch hunt, whatever. But no one knew how bad it was until you see like the full clip. So they had like one. It was like a senator who was someone they didn't like. And he was like running. They're like, look at this guy. He's running for his life. And he's like, that never happened. That never happened. It's not the way you say it is. And everyone's like, oh, sure. Just because you look stupid running across the hallway like a baby. And then you find out like when they show the like three minute video, the Capitol Police are like escorting all the members of Congress like out. They are all running. And what these people did, for example, was just clip the very last guy who was the last one, by the way. So he stayed till the end and they showed just him running. So it's just stuff like that. That's well, why I say that. Like, so not, talking think, about well, hang yeah. on. Not, not talking about reptilians or stuff like that, but just like accurate news. He's like, well, guys, I'm going to shut up. Here's the video. I'm like, oh, I, I had to go to freaking InfoWars to see an actual video that our, our Congress wouldn't let the public see. So in that regard, yeah. good job. Yeah. I'm frustrated by the the whole like post Trump uh, January sixth stuff because like number one the January sixth stuff all the protesters who did illegal stuff you know like that's gonna be they're gonna review the footage they're gonna review all that stuff and then you know you don't need a committee all that stuff is recorded all that stuff is there you know 
And then so the people who trespassed and, and vandalized and stole stuff, you know, they're going to get justice. Um, but it, other than that, like the Trump stuff, just govern the country, like focus on governing the country. And, you know, like even if even if Trump was corrupt, right, the fact is you are going to set off half the country and it's going to be seen as political. It's going to be seen as a witch hunt. Just govern the country. Like let if Trump Trump thrives on exposure, he thrives on his persecution complex, right? He thr- he thrives on that stuff, and all you're doing is inflaming half the country. Like just govern, stop, stop these endless investigations, stop these, and because what's going to happen? They don't understand that when the next guy go, comes or um, when the next party goes to power, they're going to do investigation after investigation after investigation too. Because that's what that's what you do now. It's a terrible precedent. I think. Well, I think. Uh, yeah. Apparently, Trump's expecting to be arrested tomorrow. So uh, you know, how do we think? Yeah, that's, that's never. Happen? That's not going to happen. That's not going to happen. And, I mean, and I wonder, like, if, it, I wonder be, if it would have happened, and he like preemptively did that, like to kind of stay. No, no, it wouldn't happen. Indicted doesn't mean arrested. Number one. Um, uh, they're never going to have a president, especially a popular president like being hauled away in silver bracelets, you know, and thrown into a six by six hole, you know, it's just not, it's not going to happen. Crazier things have been done. No, I don't think so. I I don't think so. That would be, that would be like ground for like, that would make January 6th look like a lover's quarrel. We'll see Well, we've killed the room with politics. I blame you, Mac. All right. So, uh, yeah. Take care. I'm. I'm. I'm gonna. I'm gonna mute or or you know um, something. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Say uh, something, uh, Jesusy. What's going on, Tom? Uh, God, God bless. Uh, God is a necessary precondition for intelligibility. <laughs> take care. Mac. There you go. Thanks, Mac. Uh. Well. What's up, Thomas? Are you speaking? Uh, not right now. I'm just trying to make dist- uh, distinctions about uh, the different types of infidels and uh, raging atheists, I guess. Mm-hmm. Because, uh, but these terms are can be subjective and you know uh, based on like what you think it means, I guess. Uh, but they have the same overall, in the most colloquial sense. Not in, a, not in a descriptive sense. Uh, can you give an example of that? Uh, <coughs> colloquial sense. Like when I say raging atheist, I just mean like there's no limitation. There's no upward limitation on the the intensity of their atheism. Like my friend Ian that I referenced when I said he's a raging atheist, he's not just like, yeah, I don't believe in God. He's more like, I don't believe in God and you're a moron if you do <laughs> kind of atheist. Like, well, that's what I, that's, I guess that's my sense of what a, a raging uh, unbeliever would be like. He's very vocal about 
this rejection of religion or, or God or what have you. Yeah, how do you think I got so good at talking about the, the evidences of the resurrection is that I was battling with that dude day in, day out with his silly objections. He'd go read the internet. And again, we were the guys working on building the internet at UCF. So, you know, at the university we worked at together. Um, so, you know, the internet was new. There was not like all of these sites. This is like 96, 97, 98. I mean, it's not, the internet was not new, obviously. Like mm -hmm. ARPANET was invented in the seventies. Yeah, sure. Whatever. Um, but, you know, my technical nerd friends are going to be like, the internet wasn't new in the 90s. It was new to most people. And so, wasn't new to me. I had the internet long before 96. Anyway, um, there wasn't like 800 million Muslim sites and atheist sites out there. There was like four. And so, he would come up with his new atheist troll technique pretty much daily. Which is cool. Uh, uh, by the way, uh, what, when did you think the internet started specifically? If it was not '96, uh, I mean, it depends on what you mean. So, like, ARPANET was, you know, University of Berkeley, uh, Berkeley, uh, or ARPANET predated University of Berkeley. I think the invention of Ethernet would have been pretty vital to the internet per se. Um, email was invented in the 70s. Let's see. What else? GopherNet was before the World Wide Web. You know, World Wide Web was like 92 with Tim Berners-Lee, I want to say. Maybe 91. I'm going to say... I'd have to go me, back and look up the let me, let me see. It's... um. Why don't you look? Why don't you I'm, ask ChatGPT? Don't run my don't run my thing, Chris. I'm I'm getting uh, a signal from beyond. It's telling me in the 1960s when the U.S. Department of Defense developed a system called ARPANET, Advanced Research Projects Agency Network. Um, hang on, give me a minute. Let me see what the spirit guides are telling me. Just kidding. Yes, you know he's doing ChatGPT. Uh, so yeah, 1960s uh, military thing. And 1991 is when the World Wide Web was introduced by Tim Berners-Lee, a British computer scientist, as a way to access information through hyperlinked documents. There so you go. there you go. So, so somewhat on task on that, because I was around for all that. I'm old. Like you're, I remember when, you when Mosaic came out. Mosaic was one of the first web browsers. It wasn't the first. Uh, all my techno nerd friends just get like, oh, that wasn't the first. There was this point zero alpha that came out like four days before Mosaic dropped. You know, I'm like, whatever, dude. <laughs> no, he invented, Al Gore invented internet. No, he invented climate um, hoaxes. <laughs> well, it's funny because wow. invent the internet, but what Al Gore did do was he pushed through a bill in Congress that allowed for uh, links for May East and May West. So he did have something to do with the development of the internet. Did he invent the internet? No. Hello, Michael. Hey, hey. everybody, remember the term information superhighway? 
<laughs> oh yeah. Dude, my first website was called Chris's Pit Stop on the Information Superhighway. <laughs> I kid you not. Web. In 1996. Wow, that's crazy. Um, so Chris, I just as I came in, I heard you talking about uh, the quote un, your quote unquote new atheist troll techniques. What are those? Oh well, they were new back in like the nineties. Like you know, it was like it was just like it was just atheist arguments that people hadn't really hadn't really been exposed to, like because there was no internet. You know, like unless you read books about atheism. All I was saying was like he his whole thing was trying to troll my Christianity, and so you know he would he would look up and there would be some new atheist site that would pop up on the internet in the early nineties. And he'd be like, what about this God, man? You know. Oh, hey, Chris, I have an update for you. Um, I don't know if you want to call to verify, but I posted that to one of my um, degenerate meme friends groups. And they informed me that that number goes to a Chinese restaurant. Uh, Michael, I thought you'd appreciate it. It was a, hang on, let me get the meme. I saw it earlier when I woke up. It was wonderful. It says, worried about your pets after the rapture? And it has a picture of like, you know, that... Um, Christian picture of like the rapture where silhouettes are flying up into the clouds. And then it has it framed in a window with a bunch of cats looking outside at it. And it says after, after the rapture pet care, be prepared for the care of your pet for just nine ninety nine per month. You can register your pet to be professionally cared for after you're raptured. All of our staff have been hand selected based upon their love of animals first, but most importantly to ensure that they are either atheists or non-Christians. And then it says call today. And there's a, a phone number listed that I'm told goes to a Chinese restaurant. Would have been much better if it went to a Korean restaurant. They should change the number to a Korean restaurant. That's Michael, would you be interested? Would uh, you or James be interested in signing up for uh, after the rapture pet care wait, for I'm, all of your Christian I'm, friends with I'm pets keep, remaining? I'm well, you know what the hard, yeah, you know what the hard part about that is, is that because I'm convinced that it's all made up anyway, my my silly ethics would get in the way from basically bilking money from people when I know I'm never going to have to do anything for it. And also, well, that would be kind of like you know in the interest you could be wrong type thing. So that could assuage your conscience. Well, after the rapture, like, isn't the rapture like the end of everything? So why would you want or need aftercare for after the rapture? I mean, I don't know if the, I don't know if the meme words put this much into it, this much thought into it, but I would (laughs) say, I mean, you know, it's not wrong, right? Because like, uh, depending on your rapture bent, eschatological bent, um, yeah, like when Christians are gone, like you would probably want Fluffy to die soon, um, you know, rather than wait around until whatever's in store for them. Oh, wait. So I, I don't know, Chris, what do you think about that? Would it be more humane to just let them die of starvation well, versus so, all well, the crazy said, stuff that is going to happen after? After Christians are gone. So the rapture is just the Christians are going? Or yeah, yeah. So let me explain gone. what the rapture is. Um, oh. so, so the rapture is a unique theological position that before the seven years of the great tribulation begins. And, and again, this gets really complicated, James, I'm going to give you the 32nd version of this, that all of the Christians will be caught up, like will be just disappeared, like from the earth, like piles of clothes laying everywhere. All Christians are translated is the biblical word um, to be with Christ. 
Okay. Like I they would just it. disappear. So you know, like those dumb movies, uh, like Left Behind. Yeah. So and so, like there's I mean, planes <laughs> crashing and all this stuff because all the Christian pilots just disappeared and planes just crashed into the ground, man. So is it just true Christians or those who say they're Christians? It would just be what? true Christians because Jesus oh, okay. knows who the true Christians are. Gotcha, right. Gotcha. So. And but yeah, I, I think the after I think rapture pet is pretty genius. According to that story. Everybody's naked. Yeah, everybody's going to be with new white robes in heaven, according to according to Revelation twenty two. Maybe there's a cosmic changing room. You don't know. Well, so yeah, hang on, hang on, <laughs> atheist man. Well, hang on, hang on, Christian. <laughs> uh, yes, Michael. <laughs> Uh, Michael. Michael. Uh, did the rapture me? happen? Is Michael did, a true Christian? Did Michael? Is, did Michael get raptured? Or the rest of? Did the atheist? <laughs> <rapture happen? laughs> Just Michael's I, Wi-Fi got raptured. I mean, I knew Calvinism was wrong, but I didn't know it was that wrong. But I'm stuck here with you too. It gacked out there for a second as I was going in, coming to my house. I have a question. I don't know if anybody wanted to continue the conversation because I uh, came sure, back. What conversation? Uh, I'm not sure which conversation we're having, you bet. <laughs> we are all Alex, we are all Alex Jones conversation, or <laughs> <laughs> they're turning the frogs gay. Uh, that's interdimensional pedophiles. But I came back. Okay, I mean, he's probably right on that one. <laughs> Go ahead. Yes. Um, so it goes back. I'm going. I'm going to bring up that question I asked you uh, about the oh. sanctification. So yeah. I asked you, would our road of eternal life uh, be the sanctification process? And you said yes. Um, so um, I'm I'm confused because um, you after you said yes, then I had a question, and and. Uh, so our, our purpose in life is to live here on earth um, and believe in Jesus, right? So we believe that the kingdom of, of God is at hand, meaning uh, we believe in Jesus and um, in believing in Jesus, putting our faith in him, putting our trust in him, uh, we, uh, the, we live uh with um within the kingdom of god on earth and uh, that's how heaven is established on earth as a sign of the coming um i said the new the the coming um heaven on earth right and so um that's where i'm confused because um if uh the sanctification process um is and i'm asking nate because i know chris has a, a different answer so mm -hmm. um <laughs> um I'm just so if, confused. oh you're confused okay so um okay by by chris's own <laughs> definition um it, it's because we have eternal uh our eternal security um it's like we're living heaven on earth that's his way of mentality but Nate's huh? mentality, right? No. It's like we're it's it's like we're it's like um I'm saying oh. like we have eternal security 
And so we get to live uh, as if, you know, we, we, you've already um, had, you've already secured your eternal salvation uh, for the afterlife. So it's like uh, you can, that's, that's what I'm, I'm, I'm trying to say that Chris's mentality would be like, you're safe. You, you don't have to worry about anything. Um, you have eternal salvation and that's it. That's it for you. But for, for Nate, um, well, the, 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 the problem is that I have with, uh, um, the sanctification process having to do with our eternal security is that um, um, it, for the kingdom of God being at hand and for uh, meaning uh, to um, establish God's kingdom on earth as a sign of the coming kingdom on earth, um, how how is it that why is why are we tied to the sanctification process if heaven if if if, estab if if establishing heaven on earth um it, it has it shouldn't be it shouldn't be um having to ask G Jesus to forgive us for our sins because in heaven we when we go to heaven um we don't ask Jesus to forgive us for our sins like, you know, like uh, what I'm saying is like when we ask Jesus to forgive us for our sins, how is this, is that a sign of the coming kingdom? If when we die uh, in our, in the afterlife, when we go to get to heaven, we, we don't, we don't ask Jesus to forgive us for our sins. So I don't know if I confused. I think, you okay, so I would say sanctification, sanctification doesn't have to do with, with being saved. Like you're you're saved, you're good. So the moment you know you put your faith in Christ, trust Him, repent, believe the gospel. That the Christian 101. You're, you're saved, you're good. Um, for the people who believe they can lose their salvation, that has nothing to do with sanctification. Sanctification means you're like on a road to to basically having your glorified body being in heaven with Christ forever. So up until then, it doesn't mean you're not saved. It means you still have this like you know, like I believe in the eyes of God, we are saints. But when people talk about sanctification, they're like, you know, we still have these fleshly stuff we contend with and things like that. So, you know, we should be more and more Christ-like kind of like on this road, as you, you mentioned in your scenario, up until the point where, you know, we shed this mortal coil. We are completely, uh, you know, sinless forever, glorified in our bodies with our Lord. And they may say that is your full sanctification. But I believe like the moment you, you know, trust Jesus and ask him to forgive you and save you, you are a saint in God's eyes. Um, but as far I, I I don't know if that helps more no, or whatever, but sanctification doesn't have no, to do with salvation. I understand. Um, I understand now. Um, n yeah, I, I understand our, our body, you know, our body, our, the, that's why Paul describes uh, when we sin, we're in the flesh. So uh, we need our glorified bodies um, to have the ability to not sin. So it is still... Um, it's still even the kingdom of God is still at hand. We're still establishing God's kingdom on earth when we ask him to forgive us for our sins because we're dying to the flesh. So it has to do with uh, picking up your cross and like the flesh, you know, killing the flesh. So I get it now. Thank you, Nate. I, I see, I'm I'm explaining to you back because I want you to know that I really got you. I really understand now. 
Because I, yeah. I started to have some doubts. I started going to, um, like, the way Chris believes. Like, I'm like, maybe I'm going towards osis because, uh, <laughs> but then I'm now, I batted back to Nate. I was like, okay, I you saved but, me, Nate. And then, <laughs> but Nate believes well, Jesus in eternal security. You. Huh? Yeah, and I was, you know that. You know that, right? Nate believes in eternal security. No, I do. I do know. Like he's talking about our inner selves have eternal security, but our flesh needs to die. And so when we ask yeah. Jesus for for the forgiveness of sins, uh, work because uh, it is what we do in the flesh because our we our simple nature comes from the flesh, not from our inner selves like our spirit man. So Chris, right. I, I understand. Like I know he believe I believe in eternal security too. I so oh, okay. I believe in osis stuff. Yes, I believe in osis stuff, but I also <laughs> believe in um asking for the forgiveness of sin. And so yeah, I, I so had to, yeah. And so does Nate. So well, we don't have I, a different. I'm just confused how we have a different answer. We, um, I understand Nate's answer because I I believe in the flesh. Uh, that when we sin, we we uh -huh. we we sin in the flesh. We don't sin in the spirit. So when he said glorified uh -huh. bodies, I understand. I understood right away. Um, what what's your confusion? I don't understand, Chris. What's your confusion? I, I keep. I'm confused because you said that Nate and I believe different things. I think she's just used to you having a mean Calvinist answer. <laughs> yes, I'm talking about like you're a Calvinist and. Uh huh. So. What does that have to do with anything? <laughs> you dirty. I'm just person. super. That's what I'm super confused <laughs> about. Like, like sanctification. Like Calvinists and non-Calvinists almost completely agree on sanctification and what that process well, is and. I'm also, super Chris, confused. Yes, you hurt Chris's feelings. Well, also, Chris, I believe in the uh, process of sanctification having to do with um, eternal life. So I know you don't believe that. I mean, wait, what does that mean? Now, see, now Nate's confused. I think everyone's confused. Well, I I asked the question. Can we just earlier. go back to trust Jesus and you're good? <laughs> yeah, I asked the question. Does uh, eternal life have to uh, the um, what was the question? How did I ask it? I, I asked, you would was... you say that our road of eternal life is our process of sanctification? And Chris, you would differ on that, wouldn't you? I thought. Well, road so... to so like by the time I, I think can this help? Like by the time you get to eternal life, like by the time we're on the other side of this life, there, there's no continuing in anything. You're 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 done. You're good forever. There's no no sin, no flesh, no being yes, I more sanctified. That. So, okay, then I, I'm lost. Go ahead, Chris. But you no. understand you understand justification and sanctification are two completely different things, right? Yes, I understand that. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. What? What? So then I'm what? now I'm confused. Why are you confused? I don't understand what's going on. I like, know. I'm trying to figure out why I'm. I'm trying to figure out what's going on. What? So, okay. Well, well, I'm just, I'm just saying that um, sanctification goes hand in hand with eternal life. You don't believe in that, Chris, and Nate does. What are you talking about? Sanctification. Do you goes believe in hand that? In hand with eternal life. Yes. You. Yeah. Yeah. Like the only way to say Chris doesn't believe in that is to say Chris doesn't believe in eternal life. Oh, I didn't. I didn't know that Chris believes in that. Like, I don't. Honestly, Wait. I don't. I'm not familiar <laughs> with the Oath's doctrine. Sorry, 
I assume Wait, that you, y'all. Did you think Chris believes that when we die, nothing happens? We just are dead forever? No. Well, he just said that justification has nothing to do with sanctification. Like, I thought, you know, Chris believed in justification and then, uh, well, the sanctification was a repentance. No, it's not, 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 am I wrong about that? And then, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, sanctification has nothing to do with repentance. Sanctification is the process by which we are conformed to the image of Christ. This is Romans 8. Oh, okay. So I didn't justification know. is that Sorry. you are sealed yeah. for eternal life. Yeah, there is a difference there. But um I didn't know um that's what sanctification meant. Okay. So but that I, Nate I, agrees I with me on Sorry. that. All Christians agree with me on that. Oh, okay. It's not it's yeah. not a Calvinist position. That is the Christian oh. position. Okay, then I would believe in the same things you believe then, except for the Calvinist part. Um like which part? <laughs> well, where you, uh, uh, your, your destiny is, is you either preordained to go to heaven and hell. Like, no, um, I don't, thing. Oh, Chris, yeah. you're so different from most Calvinists. <laughs> no, but the, I'm telling you what they teach. I mean, I'm literally going to the biggest Calvinist conference in the world on <laughs> Thursday with my wife. This is exactly what all of us believe. That you know, God. Well, in that case, but fundamentally, I don't know what Calvinists believe. Fundamentally, you have to you have to acknowledge that fundamentally, the difference between, I mean, the, the big source of contention between Calvinists and Arminianists is that, um, uh, you believe in a, a God-willed, preordained, pre-selected, elect group of people. Whereas Armenians believe that um, it's it's a pre-selected group of people based on foreknowledge of their free will. Right, but we established that that wasn't possible because that would make man God (laughs) and God man. We didn't establish. When you said we established, does that mean you said a bunch of stuff? (laughs) No, no, no. Like, okay, so, so, okay, so this is so. Actually, this is a good topic because so serendipity, we talked about how you cannot go against your your own will, right? So like you cannot go against your own your heart. heart. Right. Your so your heart. heart, your own heart is telling you to love your children. You don't have the ability to be indifferent about that. You are correct. Now your children can piss you the off. Difference. Like mine yeah. piss me off all the time, but you know, you know, but like you don't have the ability to go against your heart or the ability to be indifferent about your heart, whether or not you, you choose to love your children. You are correct. Right. But what you are predisposing is that you, you're, you're presupposing in that situation, though, that that my heart. Mm hmm doesn't have free will right it it, right you 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 don't have freedom no i'm not presupposing it that that's by definition you don't have freedom from your heart so what libertarian free will posits is that you somehow are the indifferent queen that can choose to love or not love your children based on nothing 
except for, well, and the answers that they have are either quantum entanglement or some other type of whim that is found outside of your heart. And so it doesn't make any sense. So you can't choose to go against, you can't have freedom from your heart. That is the, that is the crux of the argument for the, the defeater of libertarian free will. This is why no one takes libertarian free will anymore, because it's been thoroughly, thoroughly shut down. Like you can't believe, you can't have something that is an ability to love or not love based on nothing. It has to be based on something. And that something is your heart. You can't have freedom from your heart. Uh, honestly, I, I don't know anything about Calvinism um, except for what I just mentioned, and I was wrong about that. So now <laughs> I know that I don't know anything about Calvinism. I thought at least I at least knew one thing, but apparently I don't know anything. So. Well, that's okay. I mean, most people and most Calvinists, to be honest with you, if you ask them, don't know anything about Calvinism. I'm being serious. Most people are woefully misinformed about what Calvinism means because they have absolutely no training. Right, right. But serendipity, does that make sense? So that's just something to no. ponder. Like, no. The thing is, does no. it make sense? No. <laughs> so then, okay, then make it make sense. Make it make sense because that you can have freedom examples, from your heart. The, because the examples that you're using using something like the love of a child like uh -huh. that's that's clearly different than using the situation of choosing to have a relationship with your creator okay <clears throat> but how you know, because it is they're different. It's different. <laughs> <laughs> it just is. I mean, the thing is, is, like, I can choose to love. Um, I can choose to love a friend. Okay. Um. Why? And then I can later choose to still love them, but disengage from them. Sure, but that's because of your heart, right? You still can't have freedom from your heart. It's well, not like you're going against your heart. Chris, the pebble you're trying to put in her shoe is being rejected. Well, that's like a catch twenty two. Like there's, there's, that's like, that's like, that's like saying the only way to say you can the say God didn't honor your prayers and requests is the moment as you're taking your last breath. Like you can't defeat that because there's no way to be like, okay, well if I die, then there's no way to say that because I'm dead. So it's like, are you saying you can't go against your heart? It's like, well, I, I love my kids, but if I wanted to, you know, do the Looney Tunes thing and like. You know, be like, I love you, but I'm going to act contrary to that. I'm going to take a giant piano, hang it like Bugs Bunny from the ceiling and, you know, drop it on your head and, you know, do something bad to you. Um, then you would say, oh, well, you can't out, you, you can't get rid of your heart. Your heart really wanted to do that. And it's like, well, yeah. then if I wanted to do something. So it's like there's no way to defeat that. You could just keep saying, I know. well, see what well, yeah, doesn't make it right. No, it is right. Because <laughs> no, there has to there has to be a way to defeat the argument. Here's the thing is that look, all of the best philosophers that try to instantiate libertarian free will have failed. 
There is no such thing as someone who today takes free libertarian free will. That's not my term, though. That's your term. I know, but it's that's but if you're term, having it's not my definition. I know, but the, but it doesn't make it's any sense term. outside of libertarian free will because your you're... only choices are libertarian free will and compatibilism. Well, then do those that. are the why only two. You, why? Well, there's one that's like, hey, I'm God. I'm super sovereign. No one can thwart my will. Even people that say that I ordain everything, those people can't thwart my will. So me being super sovereign, I'm going to say I command you to choose to follow me or reject me. I command this. So even if you're right. like, God is so sovereign, no one can thwart right. his will. That means the people saying you can't thwart God's will. Those people also can't thwart God's will. So if God truly is like, I command the choice, then even the people are like, you can't thwart his will. Yeah, well, you either make your choice. But I, I mean, I think that do the compatibility. Right. Well, that is the third. That is the away. third one. That's called that's called hyper Calvinism. So that's the third choice: is that God makes robots. You're programmed. You have no choice. Choices are illusions. It's not. No, no. The other way. Robot. The other way. The other way. God, huh? No, no. The exact opposite of what you're saying. Like God yeah. is demanding you choose. Like he's de he's demanding you pick one or a zero. So he's not he's not like absolutely right. forcing. Yeah, and he is it's the opposite and that's of what called you said. Compatibilism, right? Because, then, because otherwise, right. if it's libertarian free will, then God is not saying anything. God is saying, okay, whatevs, and then you, in your sovereignty, are choosing against your heart whether or not to love god or to love your children or to love your spouse then if you're, you're equating you're... that position with calvinism or compatibilism um huh no that's arminianism want... no no the thing you said the thing that um god huh? god says or the thing you just said was compatibilism the word compatibilism came out of your mouth compatibilism just means that god's sovereign decrees are are absolutely in line with our own free will. That when That's we make choices, yeah. Well, when we so make why choices, you just always say that. So anytime it's like, hey, yeah. does God predestine you, or hey, can you choose to reject God? Like, why isn't the compatibilism speech the first thing that comes out? Because that makes this whole conversation go away. Well, because people still want to instantiate libertarian free will. Do the compatibility thing with serendipity. Let's see what happens. Well, she. He did. I, I oh. did. So, so, uh, well, so serendipity. Yeah. Do, you, do you not see that as kind of like a wash? Because, like, I, I differ from Chris. Like, I, I, I kind of am of the mindset, like, you know, God demands, He sovereignly commands someone to choose. So He doesn't necessarily sovereignly decree you're coming to heaven. You're going. I'm going to pass over you, which means you're going to hell. Um, and it just happens to line off with your own choice. Like, that's not necessarily my 100% go-to position. I am kind of of the persuasion. God's like. I demand that you pick a number, one or a zero. One is good, one, two, zero is bad. So I demand you choose. And yeah. that, that's kind of like where I have came from. But then when Chris explains mm -hmm. like the compatibilism thing, it's like, it's kind of like another catch 22, but one, you know, I'm happy with because it just, it makes the whole thing easier because it's like, well, look, if, uh, if, you know, like the Bible and Pharaoh, if he hardened his own heart and then it says later, God hardened his heart. Well, you have two beings doing yes. the th same thing so it's like well so basically god isn't taking a nice little pharaoh that wants to be a good christian um and wants to be a good god-fearing person and he's making a nice little pharaoh evil he's not doing that so we're told that pharaoh is evil and is being more evil and then god's just like all right well sure i'm gonna i'm gonna command you to be evil but the idea is even if pharaoh chris i'm trying to help you and you're not muting 
So the idea is even if God didn't make Pharaoh's hardened heart hardened, then Pharaoh would have done that all on his own. So I mean, I mean, Correct. it's another one of these like philosophical things. So it's like at that point, there's that's not the hill I'm going to die on. Like, let's go fight atheists. <laughs> right. So everybody can be a Calvinist now. You solve no. the problem. Hooray. That does not mean that. No, that does not mean that. Okay, mean I, that. I'm Wesleyan Arminian right now because you said that, Chris. <laughs> so. <laughs> But, that's, but that is the implication of what you're saying. So if you accept, here's here's the thing. Is I'm saying that's a peaceful resolution. My heart. If you, if you, what now? I do have the ability to choose against my heart. Oh, okay. Cool. <laughs> How? Uh, you've had a question. Yes. Yeah, so since I don't know what sanctification is. <laughs> uh, huh. So it is conforming to the image of God. That's I, I learned that. I didn't know that was sanctification. But um, yeah. Nate, uh, is it also uh, for the forgiveness of sins after you're reborn? I'm not talking about before. Um, is is sanctification? Does sanctification means asking Jesus to forgive you for your sins? No, it has nothing to do with it. Sanctification just just means like. What's what's a non-religious way? You're just being, uh, you're being more Purified. and more like Jesus. You're just looking more and more like Jesus. You're doing less and less bad things. You're doing more and more good, godly Jesus things. Um, you're forgiven, anyways. Like by the time you ask forgiveness, you know, we're told Jesus died once for all time. So, um, I mean, you know, when I some people are like, that means I never have to ask forgiveness because I, Jesus already knows that I'm forgiven. I mean, in theory, maybe, but I mean, you know, I still, whenever I feel convicted about something, I'm like, oh, please forgive me. Uh, right. Whether it's needed or not, God gets it. Um, but no, sanctification has nothing to do with that. It's like, it's just on a process of being more and more Christ-like. That's it. Yeah. Oh, okay. Because a sanctification is to to be made holy, right? And that's why we're conforming ourselves to the image of Christ. Yep. Holy just means yes. set apart. Uh, oh, so, okay. So take it this way. So you are reborn right you're born again then you exercise faith you repent then you are starting in the process of sanctification to become more like christ that's what they call the ordo salutis if you want a big fancy latin term for it oh oh okay thank you so much um i i'm sorry i i have to no you're fine (laughs) I feel like I'm still in the basics. Yeah. Um, Okay. We love the basics. Oh, okay. Um, We should go to basics more often. We're like the WNBA of Christians. (laughs) Focus on the basics. Yeah. Um, uh, Let me ask a question. So repentance is a forgiveness of sins, um, but... uh, for Chris, it would like after your reborn repentance would be just to turn away from, to change your mind. Yes. Um, but for you, Nate, would be the forgiveness of sin after we were reborn. Uh, repentance just means stop. Whatever you're doing that's bad, stop it. Forgiveness means forgiveness. So, for example, oh. Jesus, I repent uh, means Jesus, I'm going to stop doing what I know is wrong. Uh, forgiveness means Jesus, forgive me. So repentance means stopping the bad stuff. Forgiveness means forgiveness. So Jesus, forgive me. Uh-huh. That's how I'm forgiven. Not Jesus, I repent. 
therefore I'm forgiven, or Jesus, I'm living more like you, therefore I'm forgiven. Forgiveness means Jesus, forgive me. That's forgiveness. Forgiveness is forgiveness. Oh. Sanctification is being set apart, being Christ-like. Repentance is, you know, he says repent and believe the gospel. So you're, you're not going to like believe the gospel and then go do evil, terrible things. Like if you believe the gospel, you're going to repent. You're going to stop doing terrible things that you know is wrong. Oh, oh, wow. I always thought it was either repentance or it's some people say that, though, but they don't know better. And well, so like if someone just repented, like like technically if someone repented and never, you know, was born again or asked forgiveness or whatever, like an atheist could repent. Michael could repent for, you know, liking snakes over cats. Um, uh, Okay, well, more Jesus. Um, So like if, if Mike, if Michael's like, you know, I recognize your Bible said some stuff and, you know. Um, I, I, I recognize, you know, swearing in my secular human stance is not a big deal, but I, I see now the moral elevation the Bible has. And while I don't necessarily buy into all of this stuff, um, I, I will repent of all of my swearing. I now see it as a moral elevation to swear less. So I repent of my swearing. Great. That has nothing to do with forgiveness. He's not forgiven. He didn't ask forgiveness. He didn't want forgiveness. He just repented of swearing. So he, he stopped doing something that he used to think was fine, that now he sees is, is not so great. Um, so great. He, he stopped doing it. That does nothing for his eternal soul. It's repent and believe the gospel. And then, you know, Jesus says you must be born again. So, so yeah, re- anyone can repent. It just means stop doing what you're doing. Right. I, I, Michael, uh, would you like to say anything since I use you as an example? <laughs> oh, no, no, I get it. I, I get what you're saying. Yeah, it's a, uh, <laughs> I, I, uh, when I came back on, you guys were talking about the whole free will thing and it's just the, the, the free will stuff is just, it makes me giggle so much because, you know, and Nate, I've said this to you before, you know, the, the line that Christopher Hitchens used in one of his discussions once, you know, it's a, it kind of a great, you know, degrades the idea of free will. You know, it's like, um, you know, you, you have free will because the boss orders it. So it, it's, it, it, uh, yeah, I think it takes a little bit. If that makes sense. No, man, technology is not. I think God just ordered your mic to go up for the last 20 seconds. (laughs) Thank you, guys. That's all the questions I have today. And that explained uh, the confusion earlier, Uh, Chris. I just didn't know what sanctification meant. I I was confusing it with the forgiveness of sins, but now I know what it is. And. I am curious, though. Brian in chat says that's not what repent means. So repent means to do a 180, to go the opposite direction. So did I did I miss that yeah. technicality you were looking for? or are you Because that's technically, it means go the other way, do a 180, and go the opposite direction. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, in layman's terms, it means stop. Oh, he says repentance means penance. So go ahead and elaborate, but I'm going to disagree based on where I think you're going. No, like the actual like repentance means do a 180, go the opposite direction. So if you're doing bad, turn around and do good. But in lay terms, stop doing bad stuff. And then whatever Brian's about to say. The issues with my mic and stuff today, I'm going from, I'm going from my house. I'm running a bunch of errands today. I'm not actually working today. Um, I am going from house to car to Bluetooth in my car to earbuds. Uh, so, yeah, that's what's causing the craziness. Well, yeah, to elaborate more. Oh, no problem, Michael. 
Uh, I mean, you know, Paul talks about, you know, repentance that leads to a godly sorrow and a godly sorrow produces repentance. So did the chicken come before the egg? Um, because he says it's a God, it's not repentance necessarily leads to a godly sorrow, I believe, if I remember right. He says it's godly sorrow that leads to repentance because you have hope. And he says, you know, it pains Paul to write to the it was the Corinth church about this. And he says, look, I, I don't want to cause you this pain, but uh, you have hope. So it's this it's this like deep sorrow and regret that leads you to repentance, i.e. going the other way, stopping the bad. And um, versus if I was just doing this and making you feel bad and terrible for no hope, then he would be really bad and everyone would be really screwed because there's no way out. But in this, it's godly sorrow that leads to repentance. Guys, you, you've answered all my questions really um, very helpful. Um, I was confused about a lot of things, apparently. Um, but thank you for correcting me. I, that way I won't sound like a, a dummy the next time. So, <laughs> Or confuse y'all in, in any way. But uh, wow, you guys are so patient with me. <laughs> I've noticed throughout the whole time I ask you guys something. A lot of you guys are so patient. So I'm very grateful for that. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. God bless. Of course. Chris, would you like to catch up to chat? And do you have any thoughts on that? Because, I mean, I get it's commonly understood. Like, you know, there would be some regret or sorrow associated with repentance. I mean, if you think what you're doing that's bad is great, you're not going to stop it. If you think it's bad, I get that there can be an air of regret or sorrow to it. But, I mean, if you care what language means, it means turn and go the other way. I mean, that's not me saying this. That's me parroting, you know, words. So Right. That's the New Testament definition. So, yeah. But then I mean, you've got the dude in chat that's like all sorrow and regret. I'm like, yeah, there, I mean, you can have sorrow and regret and also repentance. But I mean, if you want to know what it actually means. Well, I think, that, that's I think the repentance is the sorrow and the regret. I think that the, the what that equals is turning away from the sun. I mean, that, that should be the result of repentance is that you turn away from the sun, but repentance in and of itself, I think is, is actually just feeling the remorse and the guilt for knowing that you, you sinned. Well, it's, uh, what are you going to say, June? Well, I was going to say just because you feel guilt doesn't mean, uh, it does repentance. I think that may be the crucial step. But uh, we look at it in the Bible. You really look at Judas uh, feeling guilty for betraying Jesus, uh, and so he decided to try to um, give away the sil the silver, right? That um, he profited from betraying Jesus, and once that didn't work, he decided to kill himself, right? Uh, we also look at uh, the Pharisees. They knew that uh, what Jesus said to them was true, and they felt guilty. And instead of facing their guilt and to truly repent, they decided to, you know, <laughs> demand Jesus to be killed and crucified, and pressure the Roman, um, the Romans, uh, to perform the crucifixion. So we know that in the Bible, it clearly shows how people. There are many ways people can deal with guilt, right? Uh, you can either run away from it, you can either try to uh, deny it and blame somebody else, or take responsibility and actually turn it around and turn to God. And uh, I don't, as a Calvinist, I don't think that you can, anyone can truly repent by themselves. They need to ask God to get the grace and the strength and the freedom to truly repent. Well, and also, I mean, that's like, 
I mean, I want to say like, maybe this is coming from, we think sorrow and regret is like more than just turning around. But think about that. It's like, would you rather have something that makes you um, pulling your emotions or practicality? So that's like, you know, if there's like an abusive husband, it's like, come here, girl, I only hit you because I love you, smack, smack. And he's like, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean that. I'm sorry. I didn't mean that. I express regret. I express remorse. And then the next day, hey, you didn't make my sandwich right, woman. Smack, smack. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to do that. I'll do better next time. So, I mean, he's expressing sorrow and regret, but there's no repentance. There's no change. He's still doing the same thing. So, anyways. And the thing about the thing about that is that when we say that we don't that repentance is granted what we mean by that is remember we talked about that heart reformation ezekiel right ezekiel said that i will give i will take away your heart of stone and i will give you a new heart of flesh so our repentance is born out of exactly what we were talking about earlier our repentance is born out of our heart reformation. We can do no other than what our heart demands. And God gives us the ability to repent based on him changing our heart. Welcome, Steph. Would you rather somebody, hypothetically? Well, never mind. What's up, Steph? How's your day going? Oh, no, I want to answer it. Go for it. <laughs> Were you here for my last bad analogy? No. Would you rather someone, would you rather someone, you know, like, um, I don't know, fight you and beat you and be like, I'm sorry, and then do it again, and then be like, I'm sorry, and then do it again, and then be like, I'm sorry, and then do it again over and over without ever actually not doing it again? Or would you rather someone do it once and be like, that's not repentance. You're you're describing (laughs) Steph and I's relationship right now. Right. And then would you you rather Chris be like, okay, I I, I beat you for the last time. I'm done. And then legitimately never do it again. Which would you choose? Which would you think would be repentance? Anyone who tries to beat me may succeed once, all right? But then the retri- retribution will come. So you're going to say the ratchet stuff comes out? <laughs> yeah. I mean. The armed I and have, dangerous stuff. I have a litany of. Now, you know, I am terrified of guns, although I fully support uh, everyone's right to have one. I don't think. I know myself and I know I couldn't shoot somebody, but I I'm not above a little bit of poisoning or, um, you know, Spoken like a true woman. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Or possibly, you know, calling someone's boss and, and making their job really hard. You know, this could, just teaching the little lessons to make sure it doesn't happen again. Right. So it's irrelevant whether they repent or not. They're not going to do it twice. I mean, I'm, yeah. I'm with you. I was hoping for a more, you know, Jesus answer, but that, that's good. I, no, I never having t- um, <laughs> tea with stuff. Go ahead, Michael. No, I was going to say, that's the thing about someone like Steph, is she, is she seems really sweet, and those are the ones you got to be scared of. Not sweet, I'm so, nasty. For the record... You're so nasty. Um, for the record, the word repentance comes from the Greek word metanoia, which means to change one's mind or have a change of heart. Correct. There could be no dispute unless we want to go to Greece and dispute their language. So, I mean, that, I mean, of course, it is associated with regret and remorse. But just saying, hope we're done. Yeah, <laughs> that is what it's the not word means. Uh, baptized uh, tears. Repentance is a change of mind, and 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 Pastor Mark is exactly correct in the in the chat. It's not actually 
an action because that bumps up against work salvation. What it is is a change of mind about who Jesus is, um, who what uh, our sin is, and what our position is. You know, so wouldn't you agree though that that change of mind is true remorse and regret for the sin? I mean, I sure. think we're arguing oh, six very of well one and a half dozen of another. You know, a change of mind is essentially saying, you know, what I did was wrong. I, I should not do that anymore. So like, for example, and Nate, with your example of, you know, I hit her today. Oh, I'm sorry. I repent. I shouldn't have done that. And tomorrow I hit her again. But that's not true repentance because there was no change in his behavior. The, the proper example in that situation would be, I hit my wife. Oh my gosh, I regret. I'm remorseful for this. I need to go seek counseling. I need to go lean on the elders in my church. I need to do something to change this behavior. That is repentance because there was true remorse and regret for what he was doing. Right. And, and I mean, yeah, the only reason I brought it up was because that other guy kind of came in hot and heavy with, that's not what repentance means to stop doing bad stuff. And uh, anyway, so that's my own. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's basically the compatible thing all over again. Like it's, yes, very, very often repentance is synonymous, nearly synonymous with sorrow and regret, but it definitely does not only mean that because like you said, it's not true repentance, however you want to argue that, um, unless someone has, you know, stops what they're doing. And, you know, like what I was talking about earlier in second Corinthians seven, uh, 10, where Paul writes, because, you know, the, whoever was Brian or whatever his name was that was talking about it's repentance is sorrow and regret. Well, biblically it's the other way around. Again, not necessarily, but uh, Paul says godly sorrow produces repentance. So if you want to say it's regret and sorrow, well, well, yeah, but it's not repentance is regret and sorrow. It's regret and sorrow. And he's talking about the specific thing, but he says it's godly sorrow produces repentance leading to salvation. Um, Anyway, so, I mean, it's, it's very, very similar, yet not exactly the same. So, you know, for the litigious people in the group. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, but I think the hard I think the hard thing about something like that, just to jump in here with with, uh, you know, from, uh, you know, from a heathen perspective is your you can have genuine repentance. But and correct me if I'm wrong, Christians in the room, but you're you're still going to sin. Right. Because of, you know, because of the flesh. Right. So you, you can have true repentance, but you're probably still not because nobody can live up to the standard. That, that Jesus, and again, you know, taking the whole thing as granted, right? But because nobody can live up to Jesus' standard, you're going you're, you're gonna to be sorrowful. You will repent. You will try to stop. You may stop for a while, but then you're still going to sin again because you're not perfect. It doesn't mean you didn't have genuine repentance. It just, mean that, just means that you're in perfect flesh, and so you're probably going to screw up again. But, and, and so I'd be curious to hear the thoughts of that. But then, Chris, the other thing that you said a second ago is, is you know, bumping up against, you know, not doing something or doing something, we're bumping up against work salvation. I, I, I agree. I think I agree mostly with what you're saying. But you will find those, and I've, I've, in, I've encountered those who will, who will nitpick to that degree, that to, that to argue, and I think s- stupidly, that not doing something is still doing something. So I, I agree with what it is that you said. Yeah, and I, I think, think also, I, that, Michael. Oh, go ahead. Well, that goes back to sanctification. Like how, you know, we repent, we're sorrowful, but we're still going to not be sinless. We're, we're going to do like sin until the day we die. But that's like what Yvette talked about previously on the road to sanctification. But go ahead, Steph. 
I was going to say, I think that just catching this at the end and hearing what's been good said so far, it, there's, there's also a difference between habitual sin and sin, right? So it's like, we can say that as humans, everything you said was correct, Michael, like we sin, we, we have the flesh, we would desire not to sin, but we do it. Um, but then, you know, the, the idea of a habitual sin, I beat my wife and then I beat my wife and then I beat my wife again, is that, that kind of falls under a category of, okay, there's a path out of that. Are you taking it? So, and and in some ways we don't, with habitual sin, we don't necessarily tally how many times, uh, but we, we would monitor to make sure like serendipity said, progress is being made away from it, that a genuine, you know, uh, attempt is being made to correct that behavior. So I think just to kind of put a differentiation. And my fault for the analogy, for the record, the official position of asking Christians don't beat your wives. Love your wives just as Christ loved the church and sacrificed and gave himself for her. That's the official position. Don't beat each other. I have a question if you want to change the topic. Sure. Chris, I took a quiz this morning on what kind of Calvinist I am, um, and I'm going to give credit. He's not here right now, but uh, if any of you remember Rob, Rob (laughs) uh, came up with this quiz. Right, I'll show you my results in a minute. But I came across this really interesting question, and for anyone who's driving, I'm going to read it, and I want to see, Chris, which of these... Who's laughing? Yvette's laughing. I see you. I'm laughing. I see you, girl. (laughs) Okay, I'm going to read these out loud to see what your response is, Chris, because, I mean, I know where you are, but do you agree with the way these are worded? Okay, so this was one of the questions. Which of the following statements do you believe? A, Christ's atonement is sufficient for the whole world, but only efficient for the elect. B, Christ's atonement is sufficient for the whole world, but only efficient for those who choose to believe. C, Christ's atonement is sufficient and efficient for the whole world. Or D, Christ's atonement is sufficient and efficient only for the elect. Yeah, I mean, A and B would be the exact same thing. (sighs) (laughs) Sorry. They are. They're exactly the same. In the Calvinist perspective, exactly the same please explain that he's unlike any calvinist i've ever met no he's not no it's very <laughs> frustrating <laughs> isn't it he is the king of calvinists oh and anything God. he says is Chris, you need to get your answer. you need to get your calvin cult in order because if they all believe <laughs> <Right>. like you <laughs> you're well, the of Calvin tried for 50 years to say that he said the exact same things that i am saying and still people <laughs> mess it up wait neat i'm so, gonna i'm gonna send you this calvinists quiz don't know what they believe. <laughs> I want you to post this quiz to the top, okay, Nate? And then I want everyone to PTR here. I'm going to PTR for you guys what my results were. Here, let me give you mod powers and you can do it. Oh, what is perfect. Chris doing? Hi there. How you doing, Seth? Pretty good. My name's Trent. Come on in. I'm Chris. Nice oh, let's listen to this. <laughs> there we go. I got him. All I'm right, just wondering, on. does I'm Chris reach? Real quick, Sorry. Real quick, Jude. Uh, hi, Jude. Nice to see you. I'm going to post this quiz to the top, and I want everyone in this room to take this quiz to find out what type of Calvinist they are and then PTR their responses. Look at Mark with the both A and B. Y'all, okay. I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure I, I'm a radical Calvinist, but uh, <laughs> I, I don't think that Chris is a conventional tulip Calvinist. He rejects a uh, limited atonement, right? What? No. Are you joking? Oh, oh, okay. I thought you do. Sorry. No, who told you that? So I know there are a lot of rumors about me, but man, that's completely untrue. I defend well, limited atonement all the time. 
Oh, because Super Star said that you don't believe in it. And, and then you, did you say that you don't? No, but that's what you said, Chris. Like, you said you rejected. I swear, I saw the chat when you were fighting in my room. No, no, okay, I know what's going on here. So, I mean, I thought instead of saying he rejects the Middle of Atonement, he may something, say something like Chris worships the devil. So, I mean, I would say, you know, um, go ahead, Chris. Okay. You realize that makes sense. Silver Star is not a Christian. He's a liar, and he's probably <laughs> actually a Satanist. Is what the latest. Oh my God! But Chris, like I, I saw you fighting with him when I made a room. I remember last time, and uh, he accused you of not believing in li rejecting limited atonement, and you said yes. I saw the no, chat. No, you, you go said ahead. That. You go ahead and produce the chat because I re I reject. The idea that I would have ever said that I reject limited atonement. I would have okay, never I'll, said I'll that. I deny it ever happens. Uh, June, in and, Chris's uh, defense, uh, first of all, he and Silver Star uh, don't get along. And also, second of all, Silver Star is going to, anyone who theologically disagrees with him, he's going to try to hit them where it hurts. And uh, third of all, Chris's favorite tulip point is limited atonement, I would say. So he uh, <laughs> strictly, that's, that's his favorite petal. He really is very fond of that pedal on the tulip, so that is where Silver Star would try to hit him. So that's my assumption of what. Oh, okay, okay. I see, I see. Yeah, but Silver I'm sure he's in front of Just assume whenever Silver Star's lips are moving, that he's lying. <laughs> Chris, okay, okay, okay. no. <laughs> yeah. So no limited atonement. It. Colossians two fourteen, First Peter two twenty four. You know, yeah. I'm. If there's one person on Clubhouse who's defended limited atonement more than me, I would like to meet them. No, we don't want you two to meet up. Whoever they are, they're not allowed to talk to Chris. That's not going to be a yeah. good thing. Maybe Brian. No, June, I'd be so. interested in that, but I imagine that either Stacy worded it in a way that Chris didn't find palatable to sort of twist his answer, or Chris was responding to another question. I mean, I believe that you saw. A conversation, but I, I I bet in the context that's not what Chris said because he's very consistent in uh, defending limited. Okay, okay. Uh, I see stuff. Well, for me, I, I don't know what happened to me because I I, I think I texted you about my uh, attraction of universal reconciliationism. So uh, I'll I'll see what happens. I'll still try to modify limited atonement and say like <clears throat> there's different types of atonement, perhaps. But we'll see. Well, okay. Which of uh, which of the answer are, are you taking this Calvinist quiz? Everyone take this Calvinist quiz. The way they word it, let me put it back up in my PTR. I actually found really interesting. And both Mark and Chris answered the same way that they would choose both A and B. But I thought this was an interesting topic to see how people feel about it. So question number six in this quiz is in my PTR if y'all want to discuss. I muddied the words. Where's the PTR? Oh, if you pull down and click on my profile picture, you'll see what I'm talking about. So wait a minute. It opens with infra versus super, super elapsarianism. Yeah, I That's checked fine. determinism is fake as heck because I didn't even know what that meant. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Steph, uh, I, I, can you just post the link to me? Yep, it's at the top. It's at the top. No, uh, where? Uh, if you pull Scroll down up. to refresh, 
it's like right at the top and it says, what type of Calvinist am I? Where? You mean your PTI? I cannot see your PTI. I'm at desktop. I cannot zoom in. So can oh, you just give me the no. link? It's it's at the... So where does it show up on Club Deck, the pinned link? So so the Club Deck... Oh, wait, what do you mean pinned link? I don't see the pinned link. Oh, okay. Good. You got it? Okay. okay so now I see. Yeah, yeah, yep, yeah. Thank you, thank you. Infra or Supra? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> I'm can you Supra. explain what those are? Someone explain what those are. Supra, so basically... Uh, infralosarianism and superlosarianism is I personally don't think most Calvinists will say that uh, if you believe in supralosarianism you're a heretic and it's pretty heretical there's a good reason why but uh, at the end of the day uh, infralosarianism and superlosarianism it doesn't have much biblical basis right. uh, it doesn't it's not that it, it's, it, it, yeah, it's not that it doesn't it, it contradicts it. It just say we don't have much information about it. So all 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 this is basically theorizing the order of God's election. Uh, so so basically, um, infralosarians will suggest that uh, the fall uh, happened after uh, God's uh, plan of salvation. Okay. However, the super luxurians will say that uh, God's uh, unconditional election, God's choosing to elect and choosing to uh, damn the reprobate, uh, happened before the fall, right? Okay, so wouldn't it have to be before? Because in the Calvinist worldview, the verse that defends this is about God uh, before the foundation of the world, right? So it right. would have to like what defense is there for after? However, uh, the super luxurians are gonna go to. Um, Romans 9, right? Uh, 14, before um, Jacob and Esau did good or bad, right? God loved uh, Jacob yeah. and hated Esau. However, uh, the infrared of Syrians are going to uh, say that um, the election is actually pertaining to Israel. So, uh, so the so to not nullify the super super Lusarian position, but even if the Calvin, the infrared Lusarian will say will affirm before the foundation of the world, uh, they will say that. So it depends on how they go about it. Most of them will go into Thomistic route or even Augustinian route about um, how God can, even if God has already decreed, um, how that decree will come into motion. Uh, can differ. So some some Calvinists will say that God has already decided, but decide to uh, plan what He has decided uh, in real time. Okay, so that's what obviously we'll try to use that type of distinction. Uh, there's a secondary will, primary will, uh, all these type of distinctions uh, that will be uh, used by the infralosarian. Okay, got it. So then my next comment, Chris, is did you see that the first uh, sentence in the introduction to the quiz said it's partially a meme and partially serious? So maybe that's why they started with that. I don't know. I'm so excited for Chris to get high Calvinism. Well, this, well, so, so parts of it, too, are so inaccurate that it makes the quiz hard to take. So it's like, <laughs> so I'm like, well, okay, that's the straw man, but that's not what we really teach so i guess i'm just gonna have to pick one because i don't have another choice wait okay that's what i did do you think the quiz was made by people who are not calvinists yes oh i thought oh man i thought i was taking the real thing oh, no. well i am according to this a dispensationalist 
Calvinist uh, by 84%, whatever that means. Um, I am a four to five point heretic Calvinist. So, uh, mm. oh, I am not reformed. I am probably a non, I'm probably a non-consciously reformed, quote, reformed Baptist. You probably like John MacArthur. Yeah, this is definitely, it's definitely done by people who don't really actually know the literature. Ah, so sick. Like, I want to know what you get. Because, okay. Okay. Right, I'm almost done. I liked Why don't you just make questions. a quiz the right way? What? Yeah, Chris, you should remake this quiz. They have it. It's at ligonier.org. You can go take it. Uh, not ligonier, no. It's got to be like a thousand questions, isn't it? No, it's 32 questions. So, okay. So my whole point with this was, I like the way that they worded this about there being a differentiation between the efficient and um, sufficient language in number six. Why don't y'all try to sell it that way? I still wouldn't buy it, but I think other people would. Wait, say that again. I'm trying to take the test and listen to you. No, okay, you go ahead. We'll, we'll talk after you're done. Okay, okay. I'm trying to help with the marketing of Calvinism here. I appreciate that. I think the Bible does a pretty good Ugh. <laughs> Uh, while Chris finishes, serendipity, did your room get any attention yesterday? Any unwanted attention from the uh, subject party? Oh, we'll never know. Oh, I just closed out my quiz. I just finished it. And I closed it out before I copied it. Oh, wait. I'm sorry. No, that's okay. Hold on. I'll just pop my answers back in. Right. Now that I've taken it, it should be quick. Um... Uh, <laughs> we got some attention this morning. <laughs> and you report? I want to hear the report. <laughs> well, we apparently, after our room yesterday, um, Prashant told Silver Star he didn't want him really hanging out in that house. But none of us knew that he told him that. So we made another room this morning. <laughs> I missed it. We got people all up in arms, <clears throat> but that's okay. I don't care. I'm on a mission. <laughs> Silver Star had a counter room that said Meyer has a tramp stamp, or Meyer finally got his tramp stamp. I'm surprised you didn't get a rise out of him with that. Right. Well, Silver Star can do no wrong, apparently. <clears throat> but uh, I, I, it's the most bizarre situation. Most bizarre. Okay. Guys, do you think that Paul contradicts Jesus in in, in a way in nope. the nope. comment? Absolutely. Because not. For, for me, sometimes like uh, it is really uh, it gets a little bit hard to reconcile because like Jesus clearly said that he uh, he came not to be served but to serve for the ransom of the many, right? Uh, John chapter ten, uh, right? He dies for his sheep. I don't think that he ever implied that he died for all sheep, but in in, in for Paul in Romans five, right? Uh, once uh, one man's act led to the um, condemnation and trespass for all people, but one man's righteous act led to the uh, justification and life to all people, right? And the word "all" doesn't mean all kinds of people; it literally means all. 
And right. even then, so in, in First and Second Timothy, Israel, yeah, then you have to identify what is a sheep because we have some things that we know. We know that Jesus and Paul would not contradict each other, and we know that Jesus and Paul neither of them would tell a lie. So then, the thing we must dig into next is if we know the word meaning of the word all there, and we know the other things about not lying, then we must look into what is a sheep, because that's the last option, right? I don't know. We do, we don't even need to focus on the sheep because there are other passages like no, the Isaiah fifty three and the examples you gave. Because you said those are oh, two yeah. passages that contradict each other. So if we just look at those two that contradict each other, the variable, the only possible variable, is the sheep. So really, because he I gave most of the passage in Mark because he said he came to give his life, right, for the ransom of many. He never said all. He said for the ransom of the many. So this is very clear. He didn't give his life to all people. Well, yeah, he didn't give his life for universalism. Right. But the, what, what? But what does that mean here, though? If he says he he only gave, if he gave his life, if unlimited, if infinite atonement is true, that he, he died and atoned for the sins of all people, right? Uh, maybe except with the exception of unbelief, right? It should say that he gave his life for all people like Paul did. Paul does, right? In Romans 5, verse 18. Or in, in 1 Timothy, I think, uh, chapter 4, verse 10. And then 2 Timothy, uh, I forgot which chapter. So in the verse about the many, which verse is that? Let's read it. Let's look yeah. at it. Hey, do you want to hear my quiz results? Uh, Steph, do you want to be? Wow, Junior's typing like crazy. Oh my God. It was so loud. Uh, He's on Club Deck. Steph, are you going to be here a while? Uh, I'm going to need to run. Do you want to yeah, keep sure. this rabble going? Oh, Ma okay. Mark 1045. What? what are we talking about? Uh, I was just taking the quiz. Back? No, we're talking about the rest of the main no, verse, right? Yeah. Okay, cool. I'm moving. We're talking about the what now? Um, I mentioned um, the ransom of the many verse, so Mark 10, uh, 45, for even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. What did we say, uh -huh. 25? Okay. 